From Relay FM, this is Upgrade episode 158. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Encapsula, and Sanebox. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very well, but nobody cares about that because we have a super packed show today. I'm going to ask off, start off, I should say, with a hashtag Snell Talk question from me to you, Jason Snell. What? Huh? I wanted to know if you had a comfortable seat for the Apple keynote today. Of course I did. Why would I not have a uh, have a comfortable seat? Well, I saw lots of pictures of different types of seats, and some of them look more comfortable than others. Yeah, so um, the front area of the theater, which is more flat, has these sort of bench seats with pull-down armrests, like... Mm. Um, you might find in a in a car or something. Mm-hmm. The uh, upper bowl of seats, which is where I was, um, there are just regular old arm armrests, but they're okay. but they're padded and they're comfortable. And it turns out there's a power plug in the foot of each chair, so there's one outlet beneath each chair. Wow! So yes, comfy. Very, mm-hmm. very fancy indeed. And all that leather, of course, mm-hmm. you know, is just sort of outgassing a little bit into the air, so you get that new theater smell. So, of course, we are talking about the chairs inside of the Steve Jobs Theater in Apple Park, because today we are going to be talking about the iPhone keynote, uh, the September event, which wrapped up just a couple of hours ago. Jason uh, sped his way within legal speed limits all the way back uh, Mm, from Apple Park um, to Six Colors headquarters uh, to join me here today. But of course, before we go any further, we must we must address the scores of the draft, Jason Snell. We must address. Yes. Because I know that's the only reason people have truly tuned in today, is just to find out the, the scores of the draft. And uh, as I had hoped and, and predicted, uh, many Upgradians out there in the world were playing along. Uh, I love to see people playing along. I saw some people, which I think is amazing, who print out the scorecard, which I think is really funny. Um, I, I score on my, uh, on my iPad. I had, the, uh, I had notability in the little slide-over window. You know, I had Twitter and I had my notes app. While I, was, while I was watching the keynote on my Apple TV. And I would just slide over Notability and just check things off every now and then. So here we go, Jason. I have something interesting for you here. I had a... a uh-huh. So just flat out, you won the draft. Yes. You won the draft. There uh-huh. is some contention, in not a bad way, but there is, there is a discussion to be had as to whether you achieved a clean sweep. I don't think I did because I thought we said last time that if they just show like a picture, historical picture of Steve Jobs with a Mac, that doesn't count. Okay. I know I mentioned that contingency. I can't remember whether I said that did count or it didn't count, but I thought it needed to be. Um, that didn't feel like that. That that was I don't know. Unless I was being super sneaky and like there was that in there because there is him holding a MacBook. Air, maybe a, a laptop of some kind, in one of the photos that they showed of Steve, and if that is a Mac reference, then I guess I got a perfect score. But I don't think I'd give that to me unless okay. it mattered, maybe. And it, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't so. matter. Um, you got uh, so let's say you got it was five three. Then you got face unlock and AR demo on stage, four K HDR Apple TV, cellular Apple Watch, explanation of why OLED is superior screen technology. Um, I got three iPhones, no Touch ID on the high-end iPhone, and a picture of Steve Jobs on a slide. Um, I knew uh, over the weekend that I wasn't going to win the draft. 
because there were just just enough stuff came from all of the leaks over the weekend, which kind of confirmed to me. We had the leaks that revealed this. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that puts you now, uh, you have picked up another keynote victory. You are undefeated in keynotes, just standard keynote events. Um, I am undefeated at WWDC, and you are undefeated at keynote events so far. But that is a to- more total victories. So you've had three total victories so far, and I've had two. Yes. So uh, as it stands for 2017, we're neck and neck. So we're, I guess we're going to have to really... I mean, that's the only reason, though, I want Apple to have another event this year is so there can be an undisputed champion of 2017. Uh, but we're going to have to wait and see about that. As it stands right now, we have a point each on the drafts for this year. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be another event, but you never know. Well, we'll have to try and put a call into somebody, you know, even if it's mm. just, just a real short one, you know, just so we can get a little drafting. Come on, Tim. A tiebreaker event. Sure. Just any, yeah, any kind of time break. Maybe maybe we have to just as it gets if we like pass October, we may have to come up with some maybe a quiz or something uh, that that we could be administered so we can uh, we can we can call a winner of something for the year. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's okay if we tie for the year. That's what I think. Well, we'll see. I have many harebrained schemes. Sometimes you don't mm. know they're coming, and that might be one of them. Uh, let's talk about your impressions of Steve Jobs Theatre. So, first off, before we talk about the theatre itself, what was mm-hmm. Apple Park like, the whole campus? What were your impressions? From what I could see, I mean, people were sent, like posting pictures all day, and it looked unbelievable. Yeah, so... You know, it starts out with it's the next exit down the freeway, so it's a totally different way to get there. And the way they actually had the the street blocked off, they had the street closed that the um that the visitor center is on. It was blocked off, and so yeah, there was one way to kind of get in, and then you went uh, and parked. And then I ended up parking in the um beneath the visitor center. There is a multi. There's a there's a service lot, but they didn't have me park there. They had me park in on the second sub level of it so it's a brand new park underground parking garage so it's just brand new concrete and all the spaces are lined and everything and there's electric car chargers on every level which is pretty funny so i go two levels down um all the air conditioning and stuff i guess is is uh was running because it was super noisy in there like really noisy of uh, machinery running we emerged kind of up uh into the uh, the courtyard in front of the visitor center. I got to see the visitor center on the way out, and it's really nice. It's a big glass building in, in typical Apple style. It's kind of a box, though. It's not round like the stuff across the street. And this is where people will make their pilgrimages if they want to see Apple Park. Half of it is a cafe, and half of it is an Apple store. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's an Apple store. The only difference being, like, the company store at One Infinite Loop, it's got, like, T-shirts. They have six colors of... Uh, t-shirts plus uh, you know some other things but they've got some six colors of different t-shirts they've got an apple park t-shirt um there's a there's a with a big ring on it uh there yeah so there's that stuff is going to be there and i don't know if it's open to the public soon i don't know when later this year i think is all that all that tim cook said on stage so that was pretty cool um so you can go get your apple park t-shirt or your apple logo in one of the six colors t-shirts and then you go across the street, and there's a uh, there's a building that we had to walk through. That's like the that's like one of the entry gates, basically. It seems to uh, to to Apple Park, and then up a winding path up a hill to the Steve Jobs Theater, which is I would say it's a you know maybe a five minute walk up a hill to get there um, in this winding path. And from the top, 
where the theater is, you can see across what will be a grassy field someday, but is mostly dirt with stuff planted in it. It's like to to grow over time, but it's not, you know, it's not there yet. Um, across the way is the enormous uh, ring of Apple Park. And in fact, driving in, you know, I drove on Homestead Road, which is borders one side of the campus. And, you know, on one side of the street are houses. And on the other side of the street is a sidewalk and then some, tr- or some trees and then a sidewalk and then some trees and then a fence and then some more trees. And then the ring of Apple Park. So yes, you could, you could potentially live in a house just across the street from Apple Park, but it's going to be pretty huh. soon completely obscured, I think, by trees. Um, so huge, just huge. It's huge, like we all like we all have have known. But then you see it, and yes, it is an enormous structure um, that's kind of far off across this field. And then the Steve Jobs Theater is another circular building. It's got a little little roof on the top, but it's a round glass thing that the there's like a uh, you go in to the the main level and on the that's the ground level basically, and it is a you know it reminded me of like. Um, there's a circular uh, restaurant kind of bar place on the top of the Guinness Storehouse in Dublin. That <laughs> reminded me of that, except there was no there was no beer, but it was just like a big round space with glass to look out at the Apple Park campus. It, it felt very much like that you could have a wedding reception there or something like that. Um, and then on two sides of it, um, on, on both sides of this uh, this circular, the outside of the circular structure, um, there are are steps down, and so you take the steps down. And on the way down, you take the steps down and it leads to um, the entrance to the theater. And then the theater is down from there. So you actually enter down from the top of the theater. Um, on the way back out, the uh, on that level at the, that's at the back of the theater, there is a part of that that turns. So on our way down, there was nothing, nowhere to go except into the theater. But on the way back out, that had turned around. And now um, we could uh, enter that area. And that's actually the hands-on area, which is right below the entry lobby. And that's where all of their uh, hands-on stuff for the press was afterwards. So it's obviously purpose-built for that, for that, for an Apple event with with those details. So very impressive. It's all brand new. It's all still kind of being planted and under construction. And 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 um, I, I talked to a couple people who who said how fragrant it was at Apple Park because the fact is it's basically covered in fertilizer right now because they're growing all these new plants. So not the best smelling location, but I imagine that will pass as uh, the plants grow. So from uh, like a checking in perspective and a general logistics perspective, how did that feel? Because I'm assuming Apple have got their own people or something which seems peculiar because I, I can't imagine these people are hired all the time what what was your sense for for that kind of stuff i mean apple's got a lot of people who work there so i i imagine that some of this was like hired maybe event security but i would bet a lot of it is apple security it's a huge it's a huge campus they're gonna have to have security for it and i think then there was also um there were also apple employees who were there where they brought in whether those were maybe retail employees or they were they were people who just work at apple and were were called into service but there were lots of people they were everywhere it was because they don't the last thing they wanted was people wandering down some unapproved path 
Um, and on the way out, it was funny because they, they tried to stand in the shade if they could because it was a pretty warm day. And then some of them would be have no option and they'd just be standing there in the sun, sweating. But they wanted to make sure that we were going the right direction and not going off the official path. And you got some sweet little enamel pins as well. That's Apparently, fun, huh? I just, I just opened, I just opened the box. Right, uh, right as I sat down. Yeah, there I got. They gave everybody as they were leaving a little box, and I didn't know what was in it. You know, it could be like a thousand dollars in iTunes uh, money, but it wasn't. It was four cute little enamel pins. Let me tell you right now, Jason Snow. If you want a thousand dollars in money, you could probably get close to it by trying to sell these pins on eBay. <laughs> because these pins are even more exclusive than the WWDC pins, because it's just a small amount of press, right? It's not one thousand yeah, five hundred attendees plus press. I suppose that's true. You, you, Preston, you, uh... you know, Preston didn't get the pins at WWDC. Oh, see, this is your, this is your makeup pins. But these pins, yeah. these pins are even better because they're emoji pins. Yeah. So I got, I got an Apple logo. I yep. got a, uh, an Apple Park ring. Mm-hmm. And I got a robot emoji and a monkey emoji. Mm-hmm. It is a robot emoji. I just want to, you know, we're obviously going to talk about this later on, but like, oh my god, an emoji! I'll just say that right now. Let, and then later on, you can I've, hear I've my I've done full... it. I've done it now. I can tell you all about oh it. Oh we'll my save god, that. I'm so excited! I'm so excited to hear your opinions. All right, look, we have a ton, a literal ton of stuff to cover today. So why don't we why don't we take a break and then we'll we'll go through chronologically the keynote? How does that sound? Sounds good. All right, today's show is brought to you in part by SaneBox, a new sponsor for this show. I imagine that every single person listening right now has something that they don't like about either the email that they receive or the features that their email app has. If you've listened to any of uh, Cortex, you will know that I am a person who gets frustrated with email an awful, awful lot. Well, SaneBox is here to help bridge these gaps and solve these problems. Unfortunately and I do feel this, it is not practical to just delete all of your email because there's important stuff in there that you're going to need to deal with. There are people that need things from you. But the problem is, and I find this problem, this is a real problem, all the email looks the same. And at a glance, it can be so difficult to see who requires your attention. Wouldn't it be nice if your email could be pre-sorted before it even hits your inbox? Imagine if only the email that lands in your inbox is stuff that you actually need to see. Well, This is what SaneBox is all about. SaneBox sorts through your email, moves all the trivial stuff to different folders, and then just shows you in your inbox the messages that you need. And the great thing is it works on top of your current setup with any app. All of the SaneBox magic happens before you ever see your email. Now, this is so amazing for someone like me who moves from email app to email app all the time in pursuit of something better. But now, I mean, with SaneBox... I don't even have to worry about a lot of the features because they're right there. All of this stuff is happening before it even hits the app that I use, whether that's Airmail or Spark or even Apple's Mail app. SaneBox has a great feature called the black hole. All you need to do is move an unwanted email into that folder and you'll never hear from that sender ever again. This is perfect for those mailing lists you cannot escape from. And I very frequently find myself on mailing lists that I never signed up for. 
and SaneBox can get rid of all of those. You can even set up email reminders and snooze your email too with SaneBox. To get a little more organization in your inbox, we've worked with SaneBox to get you a great deal. Just go to SaneBox.com slash UpgradeFM. That is S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash UpgradeFM. And you will get a two-week free trial and an extra $25 credit just because you listen to this show. You don't have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there is nothing to lose. Check it out today and get your email finally under control at sanebox.com slash upgrade FM. Thank you to Sanebox for their support of this show. Okay, Mr. Jason Snell. Yeah. Should we jump right in? Let's do it. So I, the way this all started, the way everything kicked off today was with a uh, a really touching tribute to Steve Jobs. Um, after there was just there was some beautiful footage of the campus, um, which was kind of the intro open video set to "Love" by the Beatles. Apple were clearly very proud of their campus, and I was really impressed by the speedy work as they got like people arriving in the morning ended up in the video, which is really cool. I saw uh, Serenity Caldwell and Renee Ritchie of Imore in the video, which was awesome. But the real kind of the big part of the opening was. Uh, an kind of audio it began as audio of it was a clip of steve i don't know where this came from um but a clip of steve talking about making things and kind of what makes apple apple was this was this were these quotes is this speech familiar to you at all uh i did not recognize it although i saw some people on twitter who said that this is where it was uh where it was from but i didn't uh i i didn't recognize it yeah, no, I mean, there there are many, you know, there are many famous Steve quotes, right? And and this could have been from from anywhere, but uh, it was clearly something very cool. And it was a nice one to play because obviously the the, the Apple Park stuff and the Steve Jobs Theater is kind of the intersection of Steve Jobs and Apple, right? Like this is where those two things cross over. Um, and I really loved Tim's line. I think this was his opening line. Um saying that it was only fitting that Steve Jobs should open his theater. And then he spent some time talking about Steve. They actually spent, whilst we both really expected heavily that they would do this, they spent more time on this than I was expecting, but not uh, not too much time, if that makes sense. Yeah, I. it's exactly, I mean, when we were planning our draft and all of that, I mean, this was one of the things that came to me, is that there will, there's got to be a, a dedication at the start, right? How can they let the first event in the Steve Jobs Theater go by without um, mentioning it? And so they did. They they um, they had Steve's words open it up, and then Tim Cook came out and talked about Steve, and he talked about Apple Park, which is inexorably linked to Steve Jobs. The last public appearance he made was to the Cupertino City Council about this project. This is sort of um, his last product. Uh, that he envisioned. And uh, so they talked about the park campus a bit and then they got on with the show. But I, I think I think it was a must. I don't think they're going to be doing anything. This is a one-shot deal, right? But I, I think that it was a must for them to do it. And uh, one other quote that I liked, he says, today and always we honor him. I like that. It was really nice. I mean, you could tell. I mean, I, I think if you were watching that event, you know, there is a very strong likelihood that you have an affinity for Steve Jobs. Um, and obviously the people 
working at Apple, especially people like Tim, who are friends with the guy, right? Like, this is an emotional thing, and, and I thought he did a really good job getting through that as well as he did. Yeah, I mean, he cl- he clearly was wrestling with his emotions there, but he did a good job, and, and it was fine. Um, Tim also spent some time talking about Apple Park um, itself and the fact that it is 100% powered by renewable energy, and then kind of also going through, like, again that everything has been designed of extreme attention to detail that was a thing that he really kept kept pushing on and we were talking about the uh the visitor center a moment ago that's going to be opening later this year um and uh and i think what is going to be a a buzzword term for apple for a little while it has an ar experience inside to learn more about apple park of course it has an ar experience because all of our experiences will be ar experiences in Mm. just a couple of weeks um and you mentioned the cafe um is this like what what is the deal with this this cafe like is it like just a just a regular coffee shop that people can go they have it set up they had it set up. There's a big there's a big bar um, on one side with coffee machines, and they had it set up with uh, food and stuff for basically event attendees. I actually went there afterward and had a uh, a sandwich and a soda and uh, uploaded some pictures and things like that before I left. And uh, so it looks very much like think of it this way. Think of it almost like a museum. Or I mean, they're calling it a visitor center, but it's that kind of thing where there's an Apple store. Maybe they maybe they'll do tours. I don't know, but there's an Apple store and there's this cafe, so you can go there to the to the Apple Park and you can get a coffee and sit at a table. And it's all in Apple Store design. Even the cafe is in Apple Store design. It's got the light wood and tables everywhere, and it's exactly what you'd expect. And it's sort of a fifth maybe of the size of the of the rectangular uh building and then and then on the rest of it is the apple store and there's a there's a wall and a wall in between them and then there are uh walkways um doors between them on on uh the far sides so you can get from one to another but it's not a wide open space that's a cafe and apple store it's a cafe on one side and the, the rest of it is the apple store so i guess that i guess that's the idea i mean they they I think Apple has struggled with the fact that people want to visit Apple and one infinite loop is not infinite loop in general. It's not really made for that. And they no, tried to put in some guest parking, <laughs> but which they did, well, they didn't even use, have, used to have guest parking there. Yeah. So people would like pull up to the curb and oh, things gosh. and they put in the, the company store, which is now the Apple store. They redid it as a full on Apple store. It's better, but you know, it was, it's an office park. It was never designed I mean, for that with that in mind. And there's nothing they can do. Even the Apple store at one infinite loop is, is kind of a bad Apple store. It's, it's so small. It's, it's almost it's very like, Small. If you imagine an Apple store in an airport, that's what it would be like. Yeah. It's tiny. So, so uh, this one is this one is bigger th- th- because it's built to do this. This yeah. is intended to work this way, and uh, and so yeah, I, and people are going to go there. So people can roll their eyes and be like, "Oh, of course, Apple's building a visitor center." But the thing is, people are going to visit Apple Park. I'm going to go next year. Apple decided to make part of the Apple Park experience that they would actually, okay, people are going to come here. What can we do? And so they put in an Apple store and a cafe yep. and who knows what else they'll do. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Like next WWDC, I'm going to take a trip there. I really, Everybody's- really want to go. I, I would be shocked if next WWDC there aren't some specific events to go to take people to Apple Park because they everybody at WWDC is going to want to see it. Yeah. Exactly. Like, they may as well try and organize it in some way to stop just well, a constant well, stream of people. 
I think, and I think that encapsulates the whole thing is people are going to visit it. So you might as well build, just embrace it, build a visitor center. So they did. And it's a, and it'll be, you know, and it's an Apple store too. And it seems ready to go. I mean, it was a fully stocked Apple store. Um, people were buying stuff <laughs> from the media event. We're buying stuff. The, I, the new stuff was not available. They, they do also have things that you can only buy there. I mean, I would be super surprised if people were walking away with an iPad. Um, no, they have they have Apple Park T-shirts. That's exactly in in six colors. Interesting. I'm just gonna and uh, and and Apple logo T-shirts yep. in six colors too. So yeah. Uh, next up was Angela Arantz, um mm-hmm. c- came on stage to talk about retail, which was a surprise. Um, I haven't I had a retail update in a while. No, and this really felt like it wasn't going to be the event for that because there was so much stuff. But it turns out that like whilst going through some stuff we already knew, um, Angela had a, a bunch of new things to say uh, about retail. And I also think that maybe... This is an important thing um, for for the efforts that she's put in, and also I think for the company. You know, their, their retail stores are so important that maybe they wanted to get this. You know, we we talk about this, right? This is the iPhone event is where if you if Apple really wants to tell you something, they will tell you it during this event because this is when everybody's watching. So exactly, th- they may have had this this segment in here. So Angela got to go on stage and talk about you know the Today at Apple program, which is the this this uh, I think they're mostly on the weekends where they tend to do like these events um, stuff like that, which is really cool, especially in some of the bigger stores where they have these outside areas. Uh, she spoke about some really impressive, huge. Uh, projects for retail that Apple are going to be working on, including like a store that has a cinema in Milan, and mm-hmm. what was the library that they're they're buying? I missed I missed where that was, but yeah, it's like a, a disused library that they're going to turn into a, a new sort of uh, a public engagement space. Although this is, look, I don't think there was a lot new here in the retail update. This is basically stuff that they've been doing. They've been working on for the last year um, in a large part, like the, like the town square store idea with the genius Grove and all of that. They've been working on this, but the the point is it actually is a little bit like what I just said about uh, how you build a visitor center because you know, you're going to have visitors. It's like the Apple stores from the moment they, they first were uh, opened, like people go there and like use the Wi-Fi and use the computers and things like that. They, they were becoming places where people uh, would go and hang out and they would get packed and, and people would want to be there. And so this is Apple in their largest locations just leaning into that and saying, all right, this is what we're going to do. And I think that their feeling is that making the Apple Store a destination, even if there's lots of things you can do there that don't require you to buy an Apple product, it's all good because it all ac- accumulates, it all accrues to the value of Apple. You're going to buy stuff from Apple. One way or another, they're going to get you. And, and and by making the Apple Store such a valuable place for people to go, that's good for Apple. So um, yeah, it's, it's you know, some of this stuff is, um, I mean, this is this the, a lot of retail trends reflected here. The idea that it's about an experience, that's, that's definitely a trend in especially upscale retail. Um, and Apple viewing their stores as a destination for people to go to, that the, the new, it seems weird that the new, uh, the new public square, the new town square would be an Apple store instead of an actual town square. But, you know, 
it's this it's no different i think in a lot of ways from a starbucks being a place that people go and work and meet and all of those things right a lot of these private uh you know corporate locations that are actually um they they want to be part of the public uh geography Uh and that's what apple's doing here too so as per the chat room it is the carnegie library in dc washington dc um, which is the, right. the big library. Good knowledge, purchased. chat room. Um, they Once mentioned, again, you learn a lot more when you're not at the event. Yes, yes, you definitely <laughs> Taking do. Taking notes. Um, yeah. They mentioned that the Fifth Avenue store is being completely rebuilt, it looks like, but they're, they're going to make sure they retain the glass cube. Uh, there's yeah. a store in Chicago opening up. Um, they're, they're renovating a big building in Paris. Um, and they did yep. say, and you, you mentioned this slightly, but the one the one eye rolly thing is, you know, they don't call them stores anymore. They call them town squares. And I understand what they're going for. But, you know, there is this part of just like, okay, company, please just like understand what, what you actually are. It is a store. Yeah. Like, I know it's also a meeting place, but it is a store. Yeah. Right. No, that there there was a lot in um I, I think yeah. I think the way that Angela Arendt talks is very much in line with how retail executives talk about what they're doing and about yeah. the high end retail and luxury retail market. Yeah, because she's from the luxury world, right? Yes. And so for those of us not exposed to that, we hear this and we're like, really? You know, it's a, it's it's not a store anymore. It's a town square. Well, we're wh- what's happening in the Union Union uh, Square town square in San Francisco? It's square. like, yeah, they're, they're 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 it's retail stores is what it is. But whatever. I I view that as being that they're doing some classification of it. Um, like certain stores are the ones with the trees and with mm-hmm. the Today at Apple program and all of those things. And and but you know. Anyway, it's good that it's good that retail got a little time because it's a huge part of Apple's strategy. It's a huge part of Apple's employee base, and it generates a huge amount of money for Apple. It is how Apple reaches people in their everyday lives, in their you know where they live. Um, even though there isn't a lot of news here, and it's sort of beside the point in some ways. I get why they need to do this from time to time. I'm glad it's not as often as it was, but yeah. I'm glad. That they they do, I think it's valuable for them to remind people about it. All right, so we next up have the first product. So Tim Cook comes back out um, and it has a couple of numbers about the Apple Watch. Uh, phenomenal growth with Series Two, fifty percent year over year. Um, I know that these things infuriate you because I mean that could have no. just gone from one watch to two watches, right? So like two watches, yeah. You know, and it, it it's doesn't good to it know. doesn't infuriate me, but it is important to note that in the grand uh, uh, tradition of Jeff Bezos, uh, Tim Cook does not detail um, numbers of Apple Watch. It's all in sort of relative or just positivity. And we already heard this number up fifty percent from last year is uh, was in the financial call, it the so it's not school. new news. Yeah. Um, it's now the number one watch in the world, and there is 97% customer sat, which I quote is blow away. I don't fully mm. know what that means. Does that mean mm. it blows me away? Is that what is that what that term means? That that is it's 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 uh, an item so full of awesomeness that when you see it, you are blown away. Apparently, is this a, is this a, a phrase that people use? I, the first time I ever heard anybody use it was Scott Forstall at another okay. Apple event, and I'm not sure I've heard anybody outside of Apple use it, except uh-huh. perhaps, ironically. 
So it's an Apple term then maybe. Like maybe they all use it internally, right? Like so it's just one of those maybe. things that gets out into the world. Yeah, it's blow away. Um at ninety seven uh percent customer satisfaction. They then uh they roll a video of people using the Apple Watch and the the the, the conceit of the video is these are customers that have written in They've written letters, written emails, and then Apple has gone and filmed them, and they're reading the letters. And they're people that are talking about the ways that the Apple Watch has helped save their lives, and it's either through fitness or sickness or some kind of emergency situation or something like that. And there was a surprise uh, to me in this video because good friend of the show and listener, Kyle Seth Gray, was in this video. <laughs> I I thought it looked like him, and then I thought, nah, it, it, nah, it can't be. Now, Kyle has, over the last couple of years, he's really gotten into fitness, and has he's like a big, big Apple Watch user. And this, I I assume he wrote a letter, and they picked him for this. Uh, yeah, it was. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm actually going to I'm going to link to Carl's website because there's some there's some cool stuff on here about about the types of things that he gets into and you can see that all the fitness stuff and I think I think he may have actually published uh the letter that he sent to them because there's a post there called Dear Apple so you can go and check that out but I was my my brain nearly blew up because I saw his face and I was like hang on wait what and then, uh, then I didn't really pay too much attention to the rest of the video, but it did look really good uh, because I was too busy freaking out and tweeting at Kyle. So, great video. Uh, even better because a friend of mine was in it. So, hooray. <laughs> Super strange, like, but kind of wonderful. Yeah, I was really pleased to see that because he is a crazy fitness person now. And uh, th- that has been rewarded, I guess, by being in an Apple video. So, so there you go. Uh, Jeff runs down. Uh, Jeff Williams uh, runs down the WatchOS four features. WatchOS four is going to be available September nineteenth. I don't really know a lot about WatchOS four really because I haven't tested it. Um, I don't put watch betas on devices. Uh, no, I just don't. In the same way that I I tend not to put betas on my iPhone. I don't have eleven on my iPhone. I, I have it on my iPads, um, and that works out fine for me. Um, but yeah, so I will be upgrading to watchOS 4 uh, when that comes out next week. But uh, something which is uh, surprising, um, I, I can't recall Apple doing this uh, with, a, with a device in this way before. They're adding more features to watchOS 4 that I don't think have been in the betas. And it's all about heart rate stuff. So they're adding a heart rate app, um, which is giving you more kind of detailed information about your heart rate over the day and how it changes. Uh, and the Apple Watch can now uh, sorry, notify you if it detects an elevated heart rate at a time when it believes there shouldn't be if one. If a notification motivates you, is it notivate? Notivate, <laughs> yes. This is a new word uh, that we are pioneering on, on, on the uh, the Upgrade podcast. Summer of... No, it's no, not. It's, no, it's not. It's the right. autumn okay. of naming. Uh, it's not really. No, okay. we're not going to do that. Um, but yeah, so if, it did, if the Apple Watch detects that your heart is racing... Uh, and it shouldn't be, you know, based upon the other information it's collecting about you, it will say, hey, something's going on. So 
I got to dig down more on this because I'm really interested in this. The, one of my complaints, I was just um, talking to my friend Scott McNulty about this yesterday. We were talking about the Apple Watch. And one of our frustrations with the Apple Watch as a fitness device, which it should be better at, is it doesn't seem to pay attention to you and realize things about, about what you're doing. And, and so when they talk about how it's going to be sampling your heart rate and then noticing if your heart rate is altered... I thought to myself, is it sampling my heart right now or is this a watchOS 4 feature where they're now going to turn on the sensor every so often and keep track? Because my complaint is always, if I go for a run or a hike or something and I forget to set the fitness app, it should know that, right? The, the, the inverse of like your heart rate is elevated and you seem to be inactive, so maybe you have a problem, would be, oh, your heart rate is raised and you are active, maybe you're doing a workout and have it like capture that data or buzz you and say, you seem to be doing a workout. Would you like me to capture this? And that's one of my, that's like my number one complaint about the fitness features of the watch is that it doesn't seem to be paying attention to me. I have to tell it. So I look at this heart related stuff and I think, oh, well, this is a good sign because this suggests that Apple is turning on that sensor and paying attention. And that's that's really good. Um, Yeah, I think it does an element of that already you know because it's you can kind of you can get points for your exercise throughout the day right i I will i will tell you that the difference between me saying i'm going for a run and the credit i get versus just running without saying it is night and day of course it's going to be way more granular you know like and and i don't think the apple watch is going to start tracking us for the no but i don't that's that's stupid it it should if if i start running and and the apple watch realizes i'm moving and my heart rate is elevated it should say I think you're running and start capturing or ask me. I know, but I'm not, I'm not arguing that point. I'm just saying that like, I know that it's, it's not going to be detecting at that rate because it would destroy the battery, but it, it maybe will check more and or do things with it. Right. But that, like, that's the point is, is if it's detecting, if it's sampling every minute and, and it said something of, it was showing like a, a chart over 10 minutes or something with multiple dots. So if it's sampling your heart rate every minute or two, then in addition to being able to see, oh, you you may have a, a heart problem, it should also be capable of saying, oh, I think you're exercising. Maybe I'll maybe I'll flip into yeah. capturing this, okay. or I'll ask you to capture this. That was always the question. I, mean, I agree. It would be great, right? Like it would be great if it did that. Yeah. So, uh, so I think it's good that they they announce these features because th- this is uh, this is stuff that is. Uh, in the long run, these devices need to do, which is monitoring you, not just when you tell it, but just sort of monitoring you and saying, I think there's a problem. And that's uh, that's good. Uh, they're also going to be doing another one of these health studies. They've done these other times. I think I did the one with diabetes. They've done they've done a bunch um, since the addition, since HealthKit actually was, was introduced. They've done some with the iPhone and some with the Apple Watch. And this is a heart study um, where Apple is trying to get better at detecting heart arrhythmias. So weird patterns in your heartbeats. They believe, Apple believes in the testing that they've done, that they are able to accurately track some of this stuff and, and, and recognize it. Um, so they are going to be starting an opt-in study to see just how good this data can be. And I guess a lot of this stuff is is to see if they're able to roll it out on a wider scale to actually mm. give us that information. But really, the only way you can do something like this is by actually getting people to give you access to their data, right? Like, that's how right. you find out if it is possible. That's um, how medical studies work. Exactly. So this is, yeah. 
Yeah, I saw a tweet go by while I while I was at the keynote that was uh, somebody asking, I wa- saying, "I wonder how many um, MDs are employed by Apple." <laughs> I don't know, um, but I, I would. I, they they obviously have a lot of relationships with medical professionals because that's uh, this this is in part a medical related device, yeah. and you can see it with stuff like this. You know, like I think like every human being, every now and then. I may get some kind of weird feeling, you know, or like a weird pain. And I'm like, what is that? And I would love if I, if my Apple watch could start being like, don't worry, buddy. Or, 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 go to the or hospital. call your doctor. Yeah. You, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I think that in the future, having that kind of, of data could be very, very interesting. Um, but at the same time, I would want it to be with a company that I trust because I don't want them to without my knowledge be selling that data to an insurance company mm-hmm. now i know that like there was some there was some news recently about apple maybe partnering with an insurance agency but it's like on this totally opted thing blah 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 blah. but like yeah you get my point i don't want that information to be shared with people that i don't want it to be shared with but it would be kind of cool if they could tell me like oh we think that there's something wrong with you like you should get that checked out so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it uh but there was a new apple watch of course, as we predicted. Um, And we're going to talk about that just after we take a moment to thank our friends at Encapsula for supporting this week's episode of Upgrade. Encapsula has the website security tools and content delivery network that you're going to want to make your website faster, safer, and more reliable. Every single day, websites of all sizes are attacked. It doesn't matter if it's just one person or a huge, huge company. And Encapsula does protect huge companies, Fortune 500 companies they protect. And basically, you can see this quite a lot. Criminals will use botnets to scrape website content. They're going to try and break into databases and try and bring sites down with DDoS attacks, denial of service attacks. And Encapsula can protect this. They have successfully defended some of the largest website attacks on record and also keeping their their customers' content lightning fast for all of their visitors because they have an incredible CDN as well. They have a network with three terabits per second of on-demand scrubbing capacity. Encapsula can process 30 billion attacks per second, which is an astronomical amount. And if anything but bad does happen to you, you're going to have great customer support. They've got people right there. You'll get people that can manage your account for you. They, they're ready to help if you need it. And you can also log into your Encapsula dashboard so you can see what's happening and also adjust your security policies if necessary. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. Just go to Encapsula.com slash upgrade. That is I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A.com slash upgrade. Upgrade. This is where you'll find out more about what Encapsula does and claim your free month as well. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their continued support of Upgrade and Relay FM. Apple Watch Series 3. Um, cellular connectivity is built right in. And as Jeff Williams said, this has been our vision from the beginning, which makes perfect sense, right? Like these, these devices are great. They're great when they're paired to your phone, but really all it's doing is adding another device, right? Like you're just adding another thing. Ideally, these devices should be independent of each other as well as they are connected. Um, and that's kind of what the Apple Watch Series 3 with LTE, uh, with cellular, uh, is promising. Um, as yeah. we've spoken about on this show a bunch, uh, there's, you, you're going to have the same number as your iPhone. So, you know, it will call when needed and people will be able to call you on their phone, the phone number that they have for you or send text messages. And it will come through to your Apple Watch even if your phone is nowhere near 
And sometime next month, Apple Music Streaming will be available on the Apple Watch as well, which is a yeah. really, really big deal. Yeah, I have two, uh, two notes about this. Um, one is, obviously, you're going to have to work with your carrier, and there's going to be a fee to add a device to your account. Yep. Like on my AT&T account, it's $10 a month to add my iPad to the pool. I imagine it'll be something like that. There'll be a fee that you pay that adds your Apple Watch to your account. And then and that also limits the rollout. It's rolling out in nine countries by the end of the year, but obviously the cellular version requires carrier support. And that means that it, they won't be able to just sort of drop it in everywhere in the world. So there is a Series 3 version without the cellular that's also going to be available uh-huh. so you can so you can take your pick but it will be a longer rollout for countries because as a cellular device just as with the iPhone they've got to they got to do some uh, company partnerships the other thing i want to mention because it happens every time this comes up and it happened again today is um, whenever we talk about a cellular apple watch i hear people uh, who say this is stupid and okay. when i say it's convenient they'll say and and when i probe them about it when i say why do you say this is stupid they say well i don't want it it's like well first off that is an awful uh uh lack of perspective yeah. that you've got there that just because you don't want it in your personal life or at least you don't think you want it in your personal life it's therefore stupid and why would anybody else want it is the implication there which is i can tell you people want it because i want it and um, and then the other thing I get is I get the, oh, well, you know, sometimes I just want to be free and not connected to anyone. If I, if I leave my phone behind, but then they can reach me on my watch, it's like, you have a bigger problem. You, I, you don't have to do that. Leave your watch behind or don't get the cellular watch or turn off cellular when you're, when you're there. There are lots of other options to, to, to draw the line there. It's like, oh, I can carry my phone with me everywhere and people can reach me. But my watch, what have we become, right? And it's like, come on. What I think of is, and this is just one example, I can think of a lot of them, is I, I, everywhere I go, my watch or my phone comes with me. It's, it's obligatory because what if I need to call someone? What if my kids need something? What if my wife needs something? I bring my phone with me everywhere I go. And when I think about a cellular Apple watch, what I think is there are going to be times when I don't need all of the apps and all the power of my iPhone. The only thing I need is to be reachable in case of a problem. And right now that means the iPhone comes everywhere with me. With a cellular Apple Watch, it means I can leave the iPhone behind if I want to. If the only reason I'm bringing it is to be to be reachable. And it's a big phone in my pocket. And when I'm running, especially, I hate it because the iPhone is kind of bouncing around in my pocket. And I don't want to put, buy one of those straps that goes on my arm in order to keep it attached to me. So look, it's not for everybody. It's extra money. But I will say this. I think it's interesting that we are now so far down the road with these kind of satellite devices that the phone, which was the thing we always brought with us because it had our entire lives on it, is now going to be with this product optional in cer- certain circumstances. And that's something that's going to take a little time to think about. Like, well, wait a second. If I'm going to walk the dog, I don't need to bring my iPhone because all I'm going to do is listen to music. Um, now, if you want to listen to a podcast, good luck. But uh, if you want to listen to music, that you know, that's that's perfect. So, I don't know. I I think it's not for everybody, but I think it is. Uh, will make the product better over time. I think Watch OS has a lot of work to do to become more independent of the iPhone. I feel like um, 
because it started so closely tethered to the iPhone, it's it's a work in progress. I feel my hope is at least that watch OS five pushes even further in this direction. It's been true. The watch has been able to operate independently on Wi-Fi since watch OS three, but still when you talk to developers, you know, it's still not all together. It's like, it's got a lot of limitations and it, and it needs to be better, but at least there's this promise of, um, always being connected that you can have with this device and that could potentially make the apps that much better so it's going to be launching with uh, limited carriers um, and Jeff said there are introductory offers whatever that means um, I my carrier in the UK EE is the only supported carrier um, in the UK that uh, they are only supporting LTE though so if mm-hmm. there's no LTE there's no connection uh, right. some some carriers are doing LTE and 3G um, but we're LTE only. Oh, so it's a it's a not a hardware limitation. It's a it's a carrier limitation. Interesting. It's a carrier limitation. Yeah, and um, I was really interested about this. The this about what Apple was going to do here. Like, what was the SIM going to be? I think they that this is not an Apple SIM, or if it is an Apple SIM, they're not calling it that. Um, they they called it an electronic SIM. Yeah, and I think weird. the reason for this is because. I think this is going to be locked to your carrier, not like with the Apple SIM where you can jump backwards and forwards and go in and out whenever you need it. I reckon this is going to be a, you pay this amount every single month to your network for this, right? Hmm. This is how I imagine this is going to end up working. Um, The display is the antenna, which is cool. Um, I don't know what the red... Everyone was expecting when the when the leaks came out, as there have been many leaks, uh, th- there were some images of the, the red digital crown, right? Um, this just looks like to be an Apple Watch Series 3 thing. I thought that that was like a little bit of plastic for the antenna, but no, it's the screen. No, it's it's basically um, to tell you that it's a, I have a cellular watch and you don't. Because <laughs> does, does the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi one doesn't have the red? I don't think so. I'm going to take a look. I'm going to take a look. I thought that it did. Um, so I'm going to the page right now. So Series so red literally page. just means three. I think it might do. I'm gonna take a. I'm going through the pricing information right now. Um, no, it, it no. It means cellular. You're right. You're right. It, it means, means cellular. cellular, which is yep. interesting. I mean, okay. I think it's I I three ninety nine. I am surprised. I would have actually guessed the rare Apple product. I probably would have guessed higher. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be three ninety nine for you, I don't think. It's a it's a, well three ninety nine, and it's a seventy dollar seventy dollar premium over the non cellular, which is three twenty nine, and then they lower the price of the series one, series two, RIP, series one continues. Um, of course, technically, series one and series two are the same age. Yep, because the series zero that came before. Well, I'm saying you do you wear a forty two or a thirty eight millimeter. Oh well, that's true. I wear the forty two. Yeah. So. So for for me and you, it's it's more. It's a good, um, but but as a from from three ninety nine is pretty good four twenty nine yeah yeah you and me yeah that's I less agree that's less good but but for cellular I I my gut feeling was that it was going to be way higher than that so that's not bad yeah I'm I'm a little bit disappointed that um they're still selling the series one uh, I think that's it's that's a strange thing to do um, I'm not I I feel like the series difference between the series one and the series two was so specific it was and, the waterproofing right. Yeah, and yeah, and, the, forget that. and G, waterproofing and GPS. GPS. Yeah, and I think the idea there is just get it as low a price as possible. 
That is the the, yeah. the goal is just get it as low as possible. And under two hundred and fifty is great. Yep. Eighteen hour battery life. Um, there is gold, silver, and space gray aluminium. Um, there are new sport loop bands, which are really cool. Looking. <laughs> I knew, so knew you'd be excited by that. It, it, yeah, it's the, then the nylon bands that I love, but with magnets in them, like the Milanese loop. Um, and there are new colors across the board, um, new Hermes products, and the white ceramic is has been joined by a gray ceramic. So there's now two ceramic watches in the edition line yep. now. Uh, well, I'll point out to you, too, that the word edition was not uttered on stage. It was not. It was not, but it is still on the product pages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's still called that, but they are they are <laughs> leaning away from that. Because the gold one was an embarrassment, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I everybody think knows that it. now, uh, uh, So, which is, you know, maybe one of the reasons that they, they would probably never use that name for any other product. Uh, the case is the same size, um, but the back crystal, so the, the, the little sensors on the back, is 0.25 millimeters thicker, which is apparently as thin as two pieces of paper. Um, yeah. So it's still thicker, right? Like, although it's exactly the same size, yeah. except for the back, right? Like, which is kind of the way that they uh, <laughs> just, that dig, in, explain just that? dig into your skin a little bit further oh, than before. Yay! But still, it's impressive that they that they plugged all of this new tech in there, and it, it didn't. Because remember, between series one and series two, they and series zero and series two, they had to uh, they had to expand. It's thicker, not a lot, but it's it's a little bit thicker. And I had that moment while they were talking about this, where I was like, "Oh no, is the Apple Watch going the other direction? Is every future Apple Watch going to be just that much thicker than that which came before it?" And the answer is kinda, kind of, yeah, and and also kind of like it depends on your definition of thicker, right? Like, if, if you're thinking, how far away is it from my skin? Well, the answer is further, right? Like, it's still bigger. You know, it's just like, oh, only the watches are a millimeter thicker. Like, it's still thicker, right? But like, okay, you, you can you can do whatever you need to do to, to argue your point. It's fine. Um, there yeah. is a new dual-core processor, which boggles my mind. I cannot believe the Apple Watch is already a dual-core processor. Mm-hmm. Like, wild. 70% higher performance, which has now enabled the ability for, for Siri to talk to you, which is great. I'd never thought That's of that a, That was before. a big, big missing feature. Yeah. Big missing feature on the Apple Watch, yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering how that's going to work out. I'm looking forward to playing with that. Uh, there is a new W2 chip inside, which has 85% faster Wi-Fi speed and 50% more power efficient. Um, and they did a phone call demo with a lady called Deirdre paddleboarding on a lake, which was awesome. And then Jeff yep. Williams did this great thing where he was like, I'm going to go rogue for a minute. And it was really nice <laughs> what he said about like, you know, we can sometimes get lost in this stuff, but that was almost like magic. It was a really cool little yeah. thing that he said. I enjoyed that. Yeah, she was like on a paddleboard at Lake Tahoe I know. or something. Unbelievable. Like, yeah. she was so funny as well. <laughs> She's like, uh, I'm really nervous about falling Just off this thing. Just to trying not to fall. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. 18-hour battery life. Uh, pre-orders on September 15th. Shipping September 22nd. Um, I'm going to yeah. get one of these. Uh, I, I I didn't really want to update to the Series 2, but I had a series of issues that meant that I needed to get a new Apple Watch, and there was nothing else available, and I was traveling the next day, so I have a Series 2. I've had one for a while. Um, but th- this, is a, this is a really worthwhile upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, seventy percent faster performance, 
and this the ability to make phone calls and like leave it completely untethered this really feels like apple watch version one you know like this feels like this is what we would have wanted the product to be from day one product they originally envisioned Yeah. yeah i think to a certain degree that's true it does really feel like that like this is what you would want this little wrist computer to do and I mean, seriously, if you're if you're a runner and an Apple Music oh, subscriber, yeah. the idea that you can pop in, uh, pop in AirPods and uh, and play your playlist and just leave, and the music will just keep streaming and you'll keep going is yeah. that is uh, again not everybody's use case, but that's pretty cool. That's pretty compelling. Yeah, I mean, like. Can it get better than like you know if if this is the type of thing that you do? Can it get better than that? Like I don't, you know what I mean? Like it's it seems very 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 impressive. Yeah. The the answer is thinner, longer battery life, more power, better operating system. There are lots there are lots of improvements the Apple Watch can make. Oh no, I I don't mean the product. Oh, I just I just meant to say there are lots of pr- improvements they can make, but it's ah. all the pieces feel like they're there now. This feels like a good like now you can start making it thinner stuff like that right yes. because you've got yes. everything it needs yes you at this point i think they have no excuses this is this is the this is the fattest that the apple watch will should ever get yep. right yep oh and hey really, remember all I those mean, rumors about how the apple watch was going to add a uh, a camera so that you could do facetime up your nose i believe that, didn't that they were going to do that and then just canned it because it's dumb um yeah <laughs> You know, but I guess putting LTE in it means that it's more likely for that to happen now than it was before, right? Because in yeah, theory, you could I have guess. calls when you're away, but like, I don't want that. Um, I, I really want no. a design refresh to the Apple Watch, um, and that's what I hope for for four. I think that should be Maybe next the, time. the focus for Series 4, but we'll see. I mean, because every Apple Watch is amazing, and then you get it, and you see all the things that are wrong with it, right? So um, I'm, I'm keen, I'm keen this this is going on my list i assume you're buying one um i'm gonna get one too um so yeah that this yeah is, this i will is i list. will probably get i will probably get one of these yeah apple tv next um tim cook did the uh the product introduction i've noticed this uh, this isn't a new thing but this tends to be the way that this is done now tim cook makes the initial introduction for every product and then introduces yes. somebody to talk about it in more detail it's the CEO's prerogative, you yep. know. <laughs> Tim gets the first go- first blows, right? He gets to be like, "All right, boom." He gets the first and last word on all the <laughs> yeah, products, exactly. I mean, right. Because if I remember, you know, he he tried his hand at introducing products in full, and he's it's not Tim's strong suit. He's better tactically deployed, and then have mm-hmm. somebody else come out and do the meat of the presentation. I think that that works a lot better. Um, so, throughout the history of TV, there have been a few inflection points. He talks about color. He talks about HD. And now we're at the next one, 4K. The product is called the Apple TV 4K, and it features two key technologies, both 4K and HDR. Apple try their best to do demos of this on of a presentation when nobody can see it, which is funny. Um, I believe they had a 4K projector. I don't know how good a yes. job that would have done in the room at showing a difference, but yeah. all I know yeah. at home is they just made the colors different. I mean, you didn't actually show me a HDR image because the Apple TV can't output that. Um, yeah. It was a it, funny it was, way. It was different. It. it was different. It's in that weird way where mm. 
um, you look at an image one way and then you see it in a different way and it's re- and and you realize your your eyes have kind of calibrated for the first image so it looks like the colors are weird and all of that I'm not sure that that demo really worked for me but I you know I get it I know what HDR is and how it's probably more beneficial than the uh, the extra pixels of 4k and you put them both together and they're supporting HDR10 and Dolby Vision here and this is the this is a big deal if you've got a big TV like or you're going to buy a big beautiful 4K HDR TV and you know to to see the difference between 1080 and 2160 lines of resolution from from 1080 HD to 4K you need to either be very close to your TV or it needs to be a very very large TV HDR a little bit different but so you know this is a high end ish kind of thing, but it's a big deal, and yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here. It's Apple's Apple's competitors were playing in this space, and and this is a very Apple kind of space. Apple's customers are much more likely to be the kind of people who have big, expensive, beautiful TVs, and so Apple wants to be there for them. So I sit in the middle of those two things that you proposed. Um, I have a 42 inch TV, which is a big TV, but not a very, very, very big TV. Um, And we're not super close, but we're not far away at all from the TV, right? Like we are in the other sweet spot, which is we have a relatively big TV and we're relatively close. Yeah. So I benefit whenever we watch things in 4K because our TV has apps built into it, which can show things in 4K and I love it. But basically, you know, as you've said, as many people said, the money is in HDR, right? Like that is a bigger, at least for me, I find a much bigger leap the, the the color is is really unbelievable um and i was gonna buy this apple tv as long as they did one thing and they'd done that thing which is to remaster the screensavers into 4k hdr <laughs> yeah. i love the apple tv screensavers we very frequently just have them on in the house and i just sit and look at them i just watch them um and you know me and adina we talk about them like every now and then i feel like oh have i seen this one before or like oh did you see that because there's so many of them now that they, you know, they cycle through and that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm super excited to see them in 4K HDR because I bet they look unbelievable because they look unbelievable mm. already in just regular HD. So I'm really excited for that. Um, obviously, the UI is in 4K now as well. Um, the Apple TV 4K features an A10X Fusion chip, which is the chip which is inside of the iPad Pros. Um, this is twice as fast and four times better graphics than the current Apple TV. They are working with Hollywood Studios, all the big Hollywood studios, to bring movies in 4K HDR. Um, they showed Spider-Man Homecoming as a movie that they're going to have it's very soon. Yep, look, look great. Great. Uh, I wouldn't know. It just looked just looked like a nice uh, I've, HD. I've seen I've seen a minute of Spider-Man Homecoming in 4K in the Steve Jobs Theater now. Yay! Yay! I guess. That's, that's an intersection like that of a bunch of Jason stuff right there. Um, yeah, it is, actually. And these movies, this is kind of unbelievable. Same price, automatic upgrades for old movies that you've bought that go onto the store with 4K HDR. I was so impressed and happy with that because there yeah. had been I'd been reading stories that had talked about Apple's negotiations and they were saying, and it's not everybody who's involved, they listed, they listed uh, what uh, studios were there and there were some that were not there like Disney. <laughs> But um, you know, they the idea that if you've bought it in HD, you own it in 4K. They're not going to differentiate. I think Apple wants that flow to be. I think Apple wants to get away from the what quality level did you buy this video in, right? I think it's a much yeah. better experience if you just buy it and it scales to whatever quality level 
your device can take and your and your um your internet connection can take and so having like oh well i bought an sd can i buy an hd do i have to upgrade it what now i need a 4k and so for them to just say look 4k movies are the same as hd we're going to upgrade your hd movies to 4k hdr it's just it's done like don't worry about it there's just the cost of renting a movie and that's great because um, that it's still stupid that they price SD and HD differently now. They should just give up and just say, here's the price, and you, you'll get it in whatever format you can take. They also announced some partners that are going to have this content, uh, Netflix and Amazon, which is now yeah. later this year. Later this year. Um, it was supposed to be done by now. It was summer, right? Summer was the, the time I frame. I don't think... I don't think that was right. I think they were more vague than that, but okay. it's clearly not going to be summer now. I think um, later, Apple would have loved it to be with this Apple TV, though, right? Like, I think that would have been sure. real good, um, but no. Uh, the TV app is rolling out to more countries this year, including mine. They showed a slide where they were like, oh, and we need the content people want. There was one channel from the United Kingdom on that list, so... yeah. Can't wait it, for that. A, welcome, welcome to the TV app because that's what it's like in the U.S. Yeah, there are channels sucks. and apps that say we love it, and then there are ones that say nope, we're not interested in playing your game. And uh, yeah, that's just that's where we are. Same with same with the single sign-on stuff, where there's TV providers that have it and TV providers that don't. So it's a it's a real work in progress. The TV app is very much like Apple's vision of how nice things could be if we could all just get along. But we do not yet have the ability to get along, apparently. So now the rest of the world gets to discover that. Yay! <laughs> yeah, that is rubbish. Uh, live sports. Looks like they're <laughs> in a bunch of live sports things. Um, yep. I didn't really understand this, Jason. Is this good stuff? Like, it, I, I don't really have a, a a way of being able to gauge this type of thing. Yeah, you don't have an opinion about, yeah. about sports. Well, I'll, yeah. uh, what I'll say is... Um, it all comes down to what the, just as with all the other content, what the apps that are being provided provide to you. Mm. It would be nice if you had ESPN and um, and you had the uh, NBC Sports app and you had the Fox Sports app and whatever other sports apps you had. If they all did this, then you could have that moment of in the MLB app you can have that moment of oh look what's on it's all unified in one place isn't that nice but it comes down to all of those content providers providing that information in a way that works with the TV app and it's right now it's all really spotty so it's a it's a nice idea especially when uh, you know if you it's them trying to say for cord cutters basically this is the TV app is like you should live in the TV app. It's got all your stuff there, and that should include live sports and live news as well. But you know, it's they're still uh, limited in terms of uh, what app you know, content providers they're working with. And so, you know, it's it's a nice idea. They had a game demo from that game company, which is uh, the company behind Journey. <sighs> I was so excited. Yeah, I love I love Journey, and um. And so when uh, they said that Genova Chen from that game company was going on stage, I was like, "Oh my god!" And it's and it and it's Sky, which is kind of like minor spoiler for Journey. 
on the last level of journey, one of the things you do is fly around a little bit. And uh, it's a little bit like that because people fly around. And then there's totally like lots of gameplay cues, lots of familiar things that feel like things right out of journey that uh, and uh, and it's coming this winter for iPhone and Apple TV. So I guess it's an, a platform exclusive, at least for a little while. I don't know. Um, I, but I was really excited to see that because that's actually a developer whose stuff I like. And I liked I, I like Journey a lot. And so I think it's kind of cool that they got them out on stage to yeah. make this big announcement at an Apple event. Yeah, it was Mario last time. Um, yeah, exactly. And now it's that game company this time who they're, they're, they are in the gaming world they're very well respected this is to, to land their game because i assume that there is some pl- level of platform exclusivity um this is a this is a big deal this is a big deal because uh microsoft and sony would have been in that line to get that game sure and it's doubt. uh instead it's apple although you know he was like oh and it's so easy to control that you can use the siri remote i'm like oh hmm. Yeah, yeah nothing changed with the Siri remote except the menu button has a ring around it, which it's looks like ring, it's kind yeah. of raised, which I guess that is how you orient it. I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world, but it's not enough. I mean, like, so for example, we are watching The Office right now, um, and we're watching it on the Apple TV because uh turns out The Office isn't available for streaming anywhere in the, in the UK, so we're buying huh. seasons on iTunes again. Uh, I say again. I have some seasons. Uh, some seasons fell off the back of a truck when I was a younger man, but now I'm I have the ability, the means to buy these things, so I do. Um, and so we've been watching through it again. And so you know, I'll set up an episode, I'll put the remote down, and then I'll move, and then pause the episode, or you know, or like click it, and then you go back thirty seconds. Just that remote, like I feel like it needs to be suspended in animation above me, so nothing can possibly ever touch it. Because if anything touches it in any way, even just glances against it, something happens, right? Like, it's still a problem, that remote, in a way that my other remote controls aren't, maybe because they're not so slight, yeah. right? Like, you know, if if you sit on any remote, you'll press a button. But this one, because it's so thin, it's, like, easier to move again. Like, it's just not, you know, it, it isn't a good remote, um, and it's a shame, uh, and I know my iOS devices can do this, but like I, I want to be able to reuse the remote. But whatever, like it's you know I, I don't get really mad about it, you know. Like I know that many of our friends do, um, but it's it's frustrating. But I'll live with it. I don't, I don't you know, it's whatever. Yep. Apple TV 4K starts at one hundred and seventy nine dollars. What do you think about that? Again, why are there two sizes? I mean, like seriously, are we still I, doing this? I don't know, and and I'm disappointed. I was hoping this would be 149, but I guess that goes back to the classic Apple pricing argument, which is find search your feelings for the price you wish it was, and then add money to it yep. because it will never be the price you wish it was. But I had really hoped that this was a going to be a repricing thing where this became the standard 149 and then they lowered the price of the other ones because uh yeah, there, there, is, expensive. there is a 149 apple tv <laughs> but it's the one that you expect it to be which is the old one which i'm pleased that they're still selling because it would be really annoying to buy the 4k one if you don't have a 4k tv be like i know i'm paying more for this than i should be you know like for for a feature i can't even take advantage of um but yeah, they they have one forty nine for the thirty two gigabyte for 
uh, regular, and then for the 4K, it's 179 for the 32 gigabytes and 199 for the 64 gigabyte model. For all of the games, I guess. For all of the many games, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, don't and know. and uh, I think you should be able to get in. I, I just I wish they would take that uh, fourth generation Apple TV and price it at ninety nine, and just say, look, we want people on the Apple TV platform at one forty nine. Given you know the just to be clear here, Amazon and Roku have four K streaming boxes for ninety nine dollars. So it's it's a big price gap yep. between Apple for and what are the differences? I mean, I, I appreciate that it's got this powerful processor and at the 4K model and that it's going to be able to run apps like, you know, in 4K run games and it's got iPad Pro power. That's all great. But it would be nice if there were some other, you know, up entryways into the into the platform, because I don't think Apple is. We can argue with Apple's ahead at all, but they're certainly not so far ahead that they can uh, say you will pay $180 for a 4K box from us or 90 from someone else. I don't think. Yeah, especially when, I mean, I, I know you, you must have seen the news uh, about the next Amazon Fire TV may have uh, an Echo built into it. Right, uh, which is like that's really interesting. You I'm, know, I'm that that yeah, I'm skeptical of that, but uh, okay, but sure, they're trying. Uh, yeah, that feels a little bit like everybody loves the Echo, so let's stick it on <laughs> everything that we sell. Yeah, sure. I mean, but but yes, isn't that the point though? They want it everywhere, right? Because then, the more places it is, the more attempts they have to get you to do things with it. But but yeah, it's like Apple with Siri, but they don't seem to add a consistent Siri. Um, message everywhere just one quick thing you know because i guess this is tangentially related the home pod wasn't mentioned um in any way during this presentation was that your expectation were you surprised about that what was your thought there that was my expectation okay it's already been announced yep. it's not ready to ship why why say anything about it sure all the stuff that they announced you know they didn't mention the um imac pro either uh -huh. right they already announced it and it's not ready to ship. So what is there to say about it? I don't know if you were aware, but um, Mac OS is shipping on September 25th. Yes, I was aware of that. But to those out there, I actually talked to talked to somebody from Mac PR. No, because then I would have gotten six points in the draft. But uh, it was not mentioned. Yep. But they did update the Mac OS uh, High Sierra uh, index page, which means it's coming out a week after iOS 11. I think that's good. I mean, I think Apple should make these big splashes, but also spread their rollouts out because I think that that gives them more publicity. I think it's good for them. I think it's good for us who talk and write about this yeah. to have a week where we talk about Mac OS High Sierra and a week where we talk about iOS 11 and a, a week where we talk about the iPhone 10 and a week where we talk about the HomePod. I feel like that's way better and when they release all their products <laughs> well, in a week, what can, you know, yeah. there's a limit to what you can say and stuff gets lost. So having High Sierra have a little a little more uh, time on its own, I think, is actually a good thing for High Sierra. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because I was thinking the exact same thing about the iPhone. We have a we have a staggered yes. period of time to talk about the iPhone. No, I I, I think that's absolutely true. The yeah. focus is going to be on the iPhone 8 at the start and then the iPhone 10 later, which I think is... Not bad for if I'm Apple, it's going to be more coverage. And if I'm a person who writes or talks about Apple, it's more time to cover those things. Speaking about iPhone, should we move on to the main event? 
I think it's time. All right, let's take our final break for today and thank Squarespace for supporting this week's very special episode of Upgrade. If you want to get a fantastic 10% off your first purchase at Squarespace, enter the offer code UPGRADE at checkout and you'll get that. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create the website that you want to make for your next idea, your next project, or even your next event. With the ability to grab a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more, you have everything. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that will let you build any type of website you're looking to build. Whether you want to make a blog, a portfolio, an online store, or like me, a site for your wedding. I have a wedding coming up next year, as you may know, Jason Snell. And we are building a Squarespace website. And the thing that I am so impressed right of right now is we're building an RSVP page, right? So we're going to be sending out invitations to people and we want people to go to the website and RSVP. And I love how we can set up this form which plugs into Google Sheets. And as people submit the form, it just goes into my Google Sheets. And I have this lovely Google document now with all of the information of all of the stuff about our guests. It's fantastic. And we can password protect the website. I'm like, perfect. Thank you, Squarespace. You are so useful. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you need any help, they're right there. They let you quickly and easily grab the domain name that you're looking for. They just have everything. Squarespace, Don't with them, you don't have to install anything. You don't have to patch anything. There's nothing to worry about. There are no upgrades needed. They've got it all covered for you. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a free trial with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com. Then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code UPGRADE and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this very program. I would like to thank Squarespace for the continued support of Upgrade and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So we have we have three three iPhones um, announced today. Three? Are you getting it yet? Three, three iPhones. Three products. Um, the this these iPhones now join and maybe the biggest iPhone line uh, currently on Apple's website. There is the iPhone ten, the iPhone eight, the iPhone seven, the iPhone six S, and the iPhone SE. They are all there. They're all available either to buy or to learn about pre-ordering. The fact that you can still buy the success now makes me assume you will probably still be able to buy the success. Um, I find this really interesting. That's a lot of iPhones. It is. They're, the fact that they kept the, um, the six around, but this is their strategy, right, is to just spread them out. This is, this is how Apple does the low end is they keep the older products around and cut the prices on them. This is just this has been their strategy for a while now, and it still is. So uh, Tim set off by talking about looking back at 10 years of the iPhone. This is exactly how I assumed they would introduce this phone. Months ago, I was talking about this. Like, I... Because there's been a lot of people arguing, right, over the last maybe six to eight months, maybe even longer. What are Apple going to do here? Are they going to acknowledge the 10-year anniversary or are Apple a company that doesn't look back? I think at this point we can say Apple used to be a company that doesn't look back. Tim Cook's (laughs) Apple likes to look back. And I think they should. I think they should. 
Um, you yes. know, I mean, this even comes down to like the wallpapers in the in the iPhone 10 seem to be either they got a six color rainbow on them or they're remasters of original wallpapers, right? Of the original iPhone, like they they do look back. You know, the, the rainbow Apple logo is all over the place now, right? Like which it wasn't for a long time. Like I think that they do, and I think this was right because Apple changed the world with this product. Um, maybe, you know, it may be that we look back on this in, or people look back on this in like a hundred years time and come to the conclusion that the iPhone changed the world even more than the Mac did, right? Like this may be the biggest thing Apple ever did was the iPhone. That may be, I don't know. I don't have a sense of that right now, but this could be it. And I think if you get to 10 years, honor it. And they did. So, uh, Tim kind of looks back at the big features that have been added over the years, hardware and software, and then he's like, we've got some amazing stuff today. And he brings out Phil, and Phil, rapid fire, goes through the iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus. He says all new design, and I'm going to give him that, because there aren't really many places you can take that the way that an iPhone, as it has looked with the home button, there aren't many places you can take it anymore. And I think with the glass back and all that sort of stuff, this warrants a new design. I think it does. What do you think? You've seen them. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, it, I, I don't think if you saw someone holding one of these, you would be like, oh, check it out. That's the iPhone 8. I don't think okay. that is the case. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe I, you know, I just think when I, it's just as much as you could do with it. I think which is why they created the ten because there isn't really much more you can do, and at least going from aluminium to glass, like that's a big, that's a big change, right? Like that is a big change. Like when they went from plastic to glass, like these are big changes. But I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I probably will be in the lower round. And you know what? I haven't seen one either, right? I'm only look going on press shots. You've actually seen I them. I get that from Apple's perspective, this is an all new design, but I think that it looks so much like the previous ones for okay. the people who are not particularly attentive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I'm not sure that it will have that kind of effect on people. Okay. I'm willing to accept that um, because as I say, you, you have a much better opinion than I do because I haven't actually ever seen one of these things. The glass is apparently the most durable ever in a smartphone. Hello, huge investment in Corning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what that got you um, they have an aluminium band that goes around the outside this is the only aluminium on the phone now which is a big change um, we haven't had that since the iPhone 4 right 4S 4S is the last phone yeah and then everything's been aluminium since then they have silver space grey and a new gold now Jason have you seen the new gold I haven't okay do you just so, they, did, did you, so the ones that they saw were either silver or space grey yeah, the the um, I focus my time in the hands-on area on the iPhone 10, not good, the iPhone good, 8. Got to be honest. Good plan. Yeah, because uh, I don't know what that color is. It looks like a mix between rose gold and gold. It looks like they kind of just threw them together and called it gold. If if I had seen them, you still shouldn't ask me about colors. So, you know, my my sec if you know my second question was going to be was anyone around you and what did they say. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know I know that yeah. colors aren't necessarily your strong suit. Not my strong point, no. New Retina HD display. Finally, True Tone has found its way to the iPhone. Yes. This is great. I'm yes. really pleased That's about good. this. We both love That's True good. Tone, right? 
Or mm-hmm. do you not have opinion about True Tone? I don't remember. I I, I like True Tone. Um, Good. I wish I could have it adjust the uh, the color temperature without yeah. being as aggr- as aggressive with the brightness adjustment because I find myself disagreeing with the brightness adjustments when mm-hmm. they happen and I okay. get frustrated by and have to re- manually adjust the brightness to be what I want it to be. I don't like that about it. Um, new stereo speakers. They're twenty five percent louder, deeper bass. Big fan of that. Sure. Great. Um, The A11 Bionic chip, which is the most powerful and smartest chip ever in a smartphone. Everything is significantly faster, basically. Everything's faster. What they they did, the last uh, generation, what they did is they had high-performance cores and high-efficiency cores, and it would sense, the system would sense when you needed high-performance, and it would switch. Um, And when you didn't, it would go back to the high-efficiency cores, which use less power. Very clever. This version has six cores, two high performance, four high efficiency, and it can use all six at once. My word. So if it really needs to crank it up, it can actually use all six cores. It can put the really hard stuff on the high, the high power cores. It can put the low level stuff that isn't that intensive on the high efficiency cores. And that, that uh, controller is deciding what goes where. And uh, that's a very, that's, this is Apple's you know, chip design saying what, how do our, what's the profile of, of processor power of our devices and how could we be most efficient? And so the last time it was switchable cores, and now it's just different kinds of cores that are addressed separately. It's pretty uh, pretty cool. Cameras. Now, I don't understand enough about camera technology, so I'm going to be very general about this. Um, the camera on the eight, uh, I was re- I will say, I think of everything that I picked. One of the things that I was so sure of in my mind is that the iPhone 8 would have dual cameras. I really thought they were going to do this. You know, they have some really cool stuff that they're doing for portrait mode, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But just the API that they're adding made me think that they were really going to do a lot of this stuff, Um, that it was going to be on this phone as well. But it's not. It's just a single camera, 12 megapixel sensor, it's got a bunch of new sensors in it. This is the stuff that I don't understand. There's a bunch of new sensors. and Yes. Suffice it to say, it's a better camera, according to yep. Apple, with lots of nice new sensors and deeper pixels. The pixels yeah. are deep. The new How deep is your filter. pixel? <laughs> like, I think it was maybe about yep, three years great. ago where the camera segment stopped making sense to me yeah. in any way, right? Because it got to the point where they were like adding in things that only really people that super care about cameras can fully understand right like why such a thing is really good like even to the point where they're like the aperture is this and i don't i have like a vague idea of what that really means like my camera is my iphone yeah right like that's me you know i don't know enough about this stuff um but lower noise and a wider range of color they're things i can understand and that sounds great um in the eight plus uh this dual cameras both 12 megapixel which i think is new now uh, they have all the new sensors in them as well. And then we're looking at portrait mode. Portrait mode on the 8 Plus looks fantastic. Um, they're doing a bunch of stuff to make it better. But this lighting effects thing looks so cool. So this is a beta, but it's shipping with the iPhone this time. Mm-hmm. And it's using machine learning, of course, and depth maps to detect everything that's going on in a portrait. So the person and the background and all that sort of stuff. 
and you can choose from lighting effects, so different types of portrait lighting, and it will change the light that is appearing on someone's face. It's not actually there, right? Like it's all being added in. And you can change these effects in real time through the camera viewer. And even later on, go into an already taken portrait mode photo and change the lighting effect. This looks so cool. Yeah, it looks good. I, I played with it a little bit in the demo room and it looked pretty good. But again, they're using demo photos. Yep, of course. And so You've who got knows to how to it will work in reality. But it's a fun idea. And again, it's, it's sort of like what can they calculate with a depth map and a powerful processor? How can they do that? I yeah. think what one of the things that I thought was interesting is they're saving all the depth information so you can change the effect later. Um, it, you know, In photos, you can go to edit and on one of these photos, portrait photos, and change the effect. Yep. And it just updates it because it's saving that depth map and all of the associated data. And uh, that makes it adjustable, which is uh, kind of fun. But we'll see how it works in practice. It's like portrait mode. I don't use it that much, but I'm happy I have it. And I feel like I'm going to feel the same about the portrait lighting effects. I'm not going to use them Probably. that much, but I'm happy that I'm going to have them because every now and then I might want to do it, right? Like, and then I'm co- it's cool that I got it. For me, like with the plus... Having the second camera to be able to to zoom in is the thing that I like the most. Um, Phil said that this has the highest quality video capture ever in a a smartphone. You can shoot 4K video at 60 frames per second, and they have some more chips and stuff to analyze movement and all kinds of things. There's lots of stuff being analyzed. Uh, And slow motion is at 1080p, 240 frames per second now. I love when they make it slower and slower and crisper and crisper because I love doing that slow motion stuff every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, and also all of these new chips um, and all of the new processor stuff, it's all the new camera stuff, all the new processor stuff, it's all going to make ARKit even better. They're really excited about that. And they showed off some cool AR apps that are coming. There was an MLB app, bat, bat thing, which looked kind of cool, and a bunch of game demos as well. So right. ARKit. Not a surprise. That's why I picked it in the draft, right? It's yep. like they're going to show off ARKit, and they did. But they didn't give it as much time as I was expecting they were going to give it. I will say that. And I think that's yeah, why we I saw agree. those demos a couple of weeks ago. They were maybe meant to be on stage, and they got bumped. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really surprised, really surprised, that the iPhone 8 line got wireless charging. This was a yeah. big surprise to me. Um. Apple imagines that uh, they were. Well, Phil was talking about no more plugging in as being a thing. This is awesome. No more plugging in, and they were talking about how they can imagine cafes and airports and cars starting to support all of this more. And they were showing iPhones in all these places. And I was Under, like, underlying all of this is Apple's confidence that the iPhone has such a huge impact on uh, the world around it that now that the iPhone supports wireless charging, yep. now everybody's going to get on board with yep. it. And you know what? It's probably true. It's probably well, so true. So here was the thing. I was thinking, okay, Phil, right? Like, you are, I understand how big you are, but like, let's not assume that everybody's just going to implement just for the app, for the iPhone. But Apple is supporting an open standard. It is yes. pronounced Qi, but spelled Q-I, uh, okay. which... Quite interesting. I... Uh-huh. <laughs> I never would have uh, pronounced it that way, so I'm pleased that I got to hear it before I said it for the first time. Yes. And Apple showed a bunch of companies and products that already use this stuff, including IKEA stuff, which I'm really excited yeah. about, because I'd it's stayed away popular... from any of these types of things. Yeah, it's a popular standard, and yep. then, and Apple's just going to use it, which is which is funny. And they're also going to, as was revealed later, 
try to extend it. They like mm-hmm. built some stuff that's based on it, but extends it, and it's not part of the standard. But they've said that they're working with the standards body to to add their information back, which is yeah, great to propose it as a standard. So this is an interesting example where I think if you had asked any of us about Apple doing wireless charging, we probably would have said it'll be proprietary, yep. and instead, um, it's not. Right. I mean, there is there is some proprietary story about one of the accessories that Apple announced today that's not going to come until next year. But bottom line, if you're someplace that's got a Qi wireless charging pad or whatever, the iPhone 8 will charge on it. Um, turns out that means seven in Chinese. I was just, was just told. Yeah. But yeah, that's what the glass back is for. Right, that's why they went with a glass back. Like that's that's one of the great things that you get for having a glass back is you can have the charging go through it. Because um, at this point in the presentation, they're showing third parties and they're like, "Oh, there's a bunch of stuff out there." Like Bell can have a charging pad and blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, this device starts at sixty four gigabytes and has a two hundred fifty six gigabyte model too. Only I, two we, storage sizes now in the iPhone. We've left the thirty two gig world behind in the yep. new devices. 64 is now the new base. Um, only two choices, which is kind of interesting. That's, so we've set a lot of iPhones out there. But I wonder what the analysis is here that let them decide, look, two is enough. Like two price points is enough. Normal and, and big. I bet it was we're selling three phones this year. I bet that was the one of the big things about it. It's like this is too much. It's just too much to handle from a stock and inventory management and costs. and Right. And I think maybe... They did an analysis of um, who buys what and said there's the people who buy um, the the low and there's people who buy the medium and high and why don't we just combine those together. The base price is up from the iPhone um, 7 though, 699 and 799. Now keeping in mind, these are 64 gig phones instead of 32. Um, so you're getting some more storage for that. You're getting twice the storage, but it doesn't change the fact that the base price to get into this model is more than the base huh. price was yesterday to get into the seven. Okay. Yeah. Well, and today, I guess, right? Because it's still I, I guess you can. Yeah, but have they repriced? I think I they repriced know. it though. Probably they probably so, did. Yeah. Uh, pre-ordering on September 16th. Shipping September 22nd. But we had one more thing. And as Tim said, we have great respect of these words and we don't use them lightly. I think the only time they've used it was the Apple Watch. I think it's the only time they've used one more thing since Steve died, I think. Tim introduced this new iPhone as a product that will set the path of technology for the next decade. That is a bold, that's very bold, very bold. Um, because, you know, everything that we think that we knew about this phone beforehand, all of the rumors, would suggest that it's kind of similar-ish to what a lot of companies are going for right now. But I'll say the iPhone X is what it is Mm -hmm. called. In my mind, I keep saying X. I'll get used to that, right? Like, I will get used to calling it the iPhone X. But I was, in my mind, they were calling this the iPhone X. Right. Uh, I mean, I used to call OS 10 OS 10 because that's what people called it. Right. You know, but like I, I iPhone X made more sense to me in my mind. Um, I can see why they went with 10 because it's like futures, the, the future of phones today. Right. Like they went with 10. But I expect that there will be an iPhone 9 next year. Uh, but, but we can talk about that another time. Edge to edge display. This is the big thing. This is the big thing. 
right? This this is what it's all about. That they have made so many changes to this device to accommodate the fact that they wanted to have a screen that went for the entire front of the phone. This is what a flagship phone is in 2017. This is Apple had to make this phone this year. They could not have let this go another year because all of their competitors are making phones that are attempting to or achieving this, right? Like this is this is the trend. This is what people expect from phones today. They want all screens, so as big a screen as they can possibly be. You know? And they've done that. And I think it looks amazing. Uh, good friend of the show, Mr. James Thompson, the developer of PCALC, he's already in the simulator, kind of been playing around and has got PCALC working with going all the way up to the very top of the screen. It looks amazing. I've put a link in the show notes for this. I'm really excited about this. Jason, what do you think about this look? Well, I mean, when we were talking about the watch reaching its ideal uh, configuration by having cellular data access, I feel like it's very clear, and I think, Johnny, I've even said it in the video, which is that the iPhone X is where they've been headed from the beginning. Yeah. Which is, uh, the iPhone as it was originally formulated was a device that was almost entirely screen, right? There was no big keyboard or anything. It was almost entirely screen on the front. Except, you know, it had bezels and a button and, you know, it's got the place where you put your ear and, and there's sensors and all that. But the idea was it's almost entirely screen because that's the most important thing is that big, bright touchscreen. So here we are where they're this much closer, you know, much, much closer to reaching that ideal that they set out with 10 years ago. So, yeah, I think it looks I think it looks great. I think the way they've done it with curves, you see some design sense where they've got the the notch that's out of it with the sensor stack uh-huh. is is kind of a curved notch and then the edges of the phone are all curved which goes into the whole round rect curved iPhone design language so it all kind of fits together. Um I'm sure they'd love all those sensors to be invisible and not take yep. up any space but they, it is it is still there and they've sort of leaned into it a little bit yeah that's the next couple of years right the next couple of years are all right how do we get rid of that right like i feel like that's that's where it goes from here you know like and it's or minimize not, it or yeah yeah whatever. i mean like i don't think that the next phone gets rid of it but it's like makes it smaller makes it smaller until they can completely get rid of it but this is this is the ultimate design this is the final form right like this is it like yeah i i think i think that's exactly right i think that everything now is details of thinness and things like that and yep. and maybe one day foldability or transparency or something it's a like new that thing, right it's a but thing basically that we don't this have is now. it like so the, the iphone 6 was the end of the line for that design which is why we've now had like four of them right? That look basically the same. That is the end of what that phone can look like. An iPhone with these big thick bezels, right? The top of the bottom. That was it. That's what that was. And that's, and now I think, I think we're with this now, right? Like for maybe for the next five years or four years, however many years it's going to be, our iPhones will look like this, right? And then there will be revisions on this, but this is it. And I will say, personally, I am more excited about this than I was the iPhone 6. iPhone 6 was a great-looking phone, but it was 
you know, they made the plus, which I was really happy about, but it was just like drag, you know, you made it bigger. This is it, right? Like this is the phone I wanted. This is the phone See, I this want. Is, this this is my question for you is this is a smaller phone yeah. but with more pixels. Mm-hmm. Um so end of the end of the plus club for you? So let let's let's take a real diversion before we start talking about this phone in more detail. Um, I am sad about the fact that there will be some there will be some things here that I'm not going to like, and I know that. You know, this phone is is narrower, way narrower, so it's going to feel weird for me for a while. Like typing on the screen is going to feel strange and stuff like that. But my whole thing about the Plus was I wanted what I considered to be the best iPhone. I wanted the iPhone with the most. Right, that was it for me. I want to have the biggest screen I can have, so I can have the most information on it. I want to have the best camera. I want to have the best battery life. That was always it. That was what I wanted. And that the whole screen thing for me was I want to see as much as I can on display at all times. And I feel like for the most part, I will continue to get that with the iPhone 10 because the screen is really big. Now there are a bunch of different trade-offs. It looks like it's not going to have as much information as the Plus, but I never expected that. But this is like a good middle point plus a bunch of other amazing stuff. This is the best iPhone, so it's the iPhone I want, right? Like, and for right, me, that's I felt like the Plus was the best iPhone. I know that many people don't, and I understand why, but I feel like this is the best iPhone, and it will take me a little while to get used to going to a smaller size, but I wouldn't want an 8 Plus. I want this phone, because I would regret every day buying the 8 Plus. This is the phone that I want, because it looks incredible. Um, talking about those looks, it has a glass front and back, but it has a stainless steel band. Oh, Jason, I'm not going to want a case on this one. Nope. I'm not going to want a I, I think I might not. I think I might go Apple Care and no case because... Do it. I mean, I want to I hold one, right? Because I, I need to understand the slipperiness, but I'm expecting glass will feel, will, will have a bit more grip to it. You have held one. Do you have any sense of that at all? Hard to say. Hard okay. to say. Yeah. Um, I use. I, I didn't feel it, it being substantially different from the iPhone 7, but I only held it for a little bit. I mean, it felt like an iPhone to me, and I use an iPhone 7 without a case now. So that might be an answer, but we'll have to see. It definitely was super comfy and, you know, nice. It, was a, it, it didn't feel overly large either, which no. is nice. It's really not that much bigger. Um, your friend of mine, Mr. Dan Moran, put uh, he he tweeted out a kind of tail of the tape, um, and I'll I'll put this in the show notes. It's you know it's really not much bigger. So the iPhone Seven is five point four four inches by two point six four, and the iPhone Ten is five point six five inches by two point seven nine. It's like it's you know it's it sits in the middle, but closer I think to the seven um then yeah yeah oh no it's it's definitely the idea here is is what if you could have a phone that's basically the size of the seven but has um has pixels that are more toward the plus yep. i think that's definitely part of what's going on here and then um uh the glass versus anodized aluminum i think maybe is why it's more grippy potentially like the jet black because that's a very different uh a very different size i i, I will say though you know and i'm not trying to put the cart before the horse but Whenever, whenever they make a big one of these, whoa. 
<laughs> then I will be I'll be even happier than I already am when because I assume that I'm sure they will someday there, there will be yeah. multiple sizes of this phone and that will be that will be something I'm to sure behold. I'm sure that'll happen that'll happen but the advantage in addition to the inductive charging that glass and we'll see how how amazingly rugged it is but that glass back and front gives you that you know I, I think maybe a better more grippy feel yeah. than than the um then so it's good it's it's a yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's quite a little device. I'm I'm looking forward to spending more time with it, but I'm glad I got a little bit of time with it. And uh, um, you know, one of the things that I took away from it is that obviously this is the iPhone X doesn't have a home button, and I think it will take people almost no time to adapt because um, if you're like me, you're holding the phone in your hand, you move your thumb down to hit the button, and there's no button there, right? Well, what do you do? You just take your thumb and flip up from the bottom of the screen does the same thing. It's not a big deal. Um, so I think everybody's going to kind of get over it. And there are a lot of advantages to that, to that phone. It's a, it's a, it's awfully pretty. I got to say it's like, I, I, again, controlled environment, only images provided by Apple. Right. So mm-hmm. I can't say, I, I look forward to what the display experts say about it when they get their hands on them, right? And and how it feels to watch a watch a movie on it, and what you know what it looks like. There's a lot more to be done outside of Apple's area of complete control. But um, you know, yeah, it's it's pretty nice. You can it, it's not it's not like you look at it and say this is a premium product. It's like no, this is a this is the future. This is. It's what we said when these rumors started, which is the whole pitch here is this is the future of the smartphone today. But you got to pay. <laughs> uh, space gray and silver. Uh, silver has a white back. Both have black fronts, which was a very good move. Um, Super Retina display is what this display is being called. 5.8 inches, 2446 by 1125, 2.7 million pixels, 468 pixels per inch, which is the highest pixel density on an iPhone. The o- It has an OLED, which uh, Schiller called the first OLED screen good enough for the iPhone. Uh, features HDR and True Tone. You can tap the screen to wake it. Obviously, there is no home button, as Jason mentioned a moment ago. You swipe up to go home. You swipe yep. further with a, I think, a slight pause for to access multitasking. Yeah, basically, you start you start that swipe and then you stop, and the cards come up. It's not like the iPad multitasking. It's it's definitely more like the equivalent gesture to the double tap on the home button is today. And you hot you uh, tap double tap the sleep wake button, which is bigger now, and I think called the side button now because it does more than just sleep wake. Uh, right. For you double, I think you double tap it. Double for tap Siri. for a- double tap for Apple Pay. Tap and hold for Siri. Tap so and it's hold va- for Siri. It's the same gestures yes, you used you to do on the home button. You now do on the side button for those. Yeah. Face ID. Um, Apple has a camera system called mm-hmm. the True Depth system which features an ir camera a flood illuminator a dot projector and a front camera all of this stuff will work in the dark it doesn't illuminate your face it was a little bit confusing initially to from the images they were showing i know they were trying to be like illustrative but i was like does it light up your face what is a flood illuminator no it's all invisible um and it obviously employs neural networks and machine learning and the A11 chip has a neural engine inside, specifically, well, not specifically, but primarily for face recognition. Apple has done a lot of testing with Face ID. 
as which is the replacement to Touch ID. Uh, it should all work, no matter how your face looks. If you put on glasses, grow a beard, put on makeup, it doesn't matter. It will learn your face over time. They say it cannot be spoofed by photos, and they even had masks made of people's faces by like special effects companies, mm-hmm. and apparently those they've worked, so those won't spoof it either. All of the face detection happens on device, and it requires user attention to unlock. So if your eyes are closed or you're looking away, it won't unlock your phone. And this was a really impressive statistic. So the whole time we've been talking about security. Is this secure enough? Apple said, of course, there is a there is an error rate for all biometrics. And for Touch ID, it was a 1 in 50,000 error rate. For Face ID, it's 1 in a million. So they say I, I I would love to know how they how they got this, they but it's basically it? their okay. false their false positives rate is mm-hmm. the idea here. What they're what they're trying to sell is that this is not a less secure thing than Touch ID. It's more secure. And I also appreciated that they were super upfront by saying that um, if someone shares genetics with you, especially if they're a twin, it is more likely to be tricked. Yeah, Mr. Spock and Mr. Spock with a beard, uh-huh. great little Star Trek reverence. If you have an evil twin, you might want to put a passcode on your phone. And that's true. I wonder if that will happen if we'll get a, a, a bunch of stories about how, um, you know, somebody's brother can open his iPhone or something because their face similarity yep. is just so, even if they're not a twin or their, or their father or whatever, you know, a, a mother and a daughter can open the iPhone because they have this face similarity and it, and it confused the, uh, the phone. It could happen. I'm looking forward to testing it. I'm going to walk around with my iPhone and just put it in all my family's faces and see if it unlocks. We'll see. Did you get to play with this at all? A little bit. I, I, so you, it sounds like you can only, um, for now at least, train one face for oh, that's face a shame. ID. That's a shame. Um, and I think the idea is, uh, you know, you have to go through a training procedure that I didn't go through. So, so, the person who had the Apple employee who had the iPhone 10 that I was looking at, she was trained on it. So, and, and she showed me like, you know, lift to lift awake and she's not looking at the phone. And then she looks at the phone and it unlocks the little lock just pops open. And you, then you, you flip up just, it's the same gesture as the, as on the, uh, on the, to get to the home screen is to unlock. It's very much like swipe to unlock is back to a certain degree, except now you're swiping up. But uh, so it doesn't it doesn't auto unlock and go to the home screen. It auto unlocks and just sits at the lock screen with notifications yeah. and things. Yeah, I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah, gonna have to see how it works in practice and if there's a uh, if there's an option to carry you straight to the home screen. But I think what they want is for you to use to have the opportunity to interact with notifications and yeah. Um, and widgets and things like that with the phone unlocked and I but like at that, that screen. Right, like I like, I actually do like that. But the, 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 the thing is, is it's going to be slower because all I need to do is one action on the current iPhone and it unlocks. It's more than one action on this current phone. It will be my assumption. And maybe over time, I will just learn to like just swipe up. But like... With, with, you know, with with the with the current Touch ID, I don't feel like I'm ever having to like authenticate and then click. It's just clicking, right? I just click and it goes. I can't like pick my iPhone 10 out of my pocket and start swiping it before it goes in front of my face, right? Because it won't unlock. But 
that's the thing that you can do with the current iPhones. So, you know, I, I, don't I feel know. like it's going to take I, some training. I, it, it's in the details. It wouldn't surprise me if you flipped up from the bottom when it was locked and oh, then it unlocked, mm, if it wouldn't so. just say, okay. I hope so. I see where you're going here. Right? That would like be great. You, you, were, you made the gesture to go to the home screen, and I've unlocked you, so I'm going... And it's been oh, yeah, maybe uh, it a certain amount of time, right? Ideally, mm. that's what it would do, right? If it, if it can uh, understand your intent and that you wanted to go there, it should be able to take you Yeah, because I bet so if we'll you see. swipe up, it will be like, look at me or put in your passcode, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, maybe yeah. it will do it, and then then because that that's all I want really. Like, and you've just, already given that that command basically, but it's mm-hmm. like I'm sorry to do that. I need to just check and see that it's you. Oh, it's you, Mike. Because I will then, learn the new way of doing it, and it will be quick again if that's the way it is. Right, that that will be great. I'll learn the new thing. Like, I'll get my phone out of my pocket and I'll put my my thumb on the display, and it will wake up, and I'll I'll swipe up, and then I'll hold it in front of my face, and I'm in. I I really want that to be the case. I hope that that's the thing. But either way, right? Like this looks really cool. I'm excited about it. I think it looks awesome. I like the idea of this. I, I think it's a fun mm-hmm. feature, right? Like it's just going to feel fun and new and different. And an emoji, an emoji. Oh, <sighs> you know. So I, I feel like an emoji has the the uh, is probably going to be like iMessage stickers where everybody's going to play with it and then it's just going to kind of fade away a little bit. This is what um, people have been saying to me today, Jason, but I use stickers and use stickers with other people every single day. Okay. I know there are well, people this, that this, stopped, but I know that I am going to be using this and, a lot. And I'm not going to make a prediction about like what percentage will continue to use it. I guess what I'll say is everybody's going to be playing with it when they get one of these. And it is amazing like i so an emoji works whether or not you're the person who has face id on the phone it will work with any human face so i was able to test this and it's weird and it's just i I mean i don't even know what to say it's 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 just totally bizarre and enjoyable it's um you know you're making faces and a little animated creature is making faces back at you it is um going to lead to a lot of, yes, weird iMessage conversations and the fact that you can record and send them to people. I suddenly had that vision of like, there's this whole new class of things that's going to happen where there's going to be homemade animated movies starring an emoji acting things out because you could literally like you're talking and the animated character is speaking. And yes, it is frivolous, but it's also incredibly fun. And there will be some unanticipated applications for this that will just will i think end up being hilarious there will be lots of memes there will be lots of funny videos uh, there will be you know whole movies that are conversations between the fox and the and the pile of poo and the chicken and the unicorn or whatever um and i i i feel like this will lead to other interesting areas because once your phone can do face detection there's so many uh, potentially weird things that it can do and this, yep. so there will be apps that will also um, tie into this but uh yeah it was super fun it's basically an app in in messages so you tap on it and you can pick your emoji and you can tap to make it big and then you're just you know look it's like looking in a mirror if what you see in a mirror is a cartoon pig and so you can make a face and you can send it as a sticker or you can make a little movie and send it as a little movie yes. and it can have and it's with with it. sound yeah when federigi was demoing this i was screaming with laughter I was I, just going wild. In, in the demo area, the woman who was in front of me using the iPhone 10 while I was waiting patiently 
And she brought that feature up and started talking with one of the emojis, and I just started laughing. I was um, howling yeah. with laughter. It was so funny. It just got so lose funny. It. Like, it, oh man, because she so she because she had a she brings up like the 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 fox or no, it was the pig, and she has this look of amazement, and then the pig is amazed. It's it was just like whoa, wait a second. Like I'm watching a cartoon pig be amazed that it's a cartoon pig because she it's using her amazed facial expression. I was able to do like you know lift one eyebrow, lift both eyebrows, raise both eyebrows, drop both eyebrows, and like you know tilt my chin all this stuff and it totally did all of it it's pretty yeah it's pretty cool it is it is the fact that all, all that all that happens in real time based on your face you know this is the kind of thing where they do motion capture for video games and movies and things like that and face facial capture and all that to just have you standing there in front of your phone doing that it's pretty cool stuff again not going to change the world in the sense of making everybody's uh, you know lives healthier and uh, ha- happier and all that well it will make people happier because it's fun and not every feature this is like the iMessage sticker conversation Mike there are going to be curmudgeons out there who are like yep. oh that's stupid there are just like, people fine. that don't don't, don't use fine. it right don't like, use it if you don't want to have use fun this every day because this is I use emoji all the time and I use stickers all the time and now it's I hilarious. can like I can mix them all up um, I I said this, I, t- I tweeted this, I believe it. I think an emoji will sell iPhones like Photo Booth used to sell, Max. Like, I people think are going to see right. this and they're going to go, like, I need that. Like, how do I get that? Like, we need to buy an iPhone 10. Like, all right, maybe I will, right? Like, I can see that. I'm really excited about this. Um, iOS 11 has some additional features for the iPhone 10. So, Craig yep. Federighi came on to demo this. Really unfortunate. Uh, Face ID's first demo failed. Um, now, Stephen Hackett, our good friend and adjudicator of the draft that we didn't need this time because it was a landslide, he went back and watched some of the video again to try and work out what happened here. So Craig Federighi, he raises the phone to his face and it doesn't work and he's thrown up with an enter your passcode. And the yep. what you, maybe I didn't see or what was difficult to see at the time because it was like, shock and horror that the warning says enter your passcode is required to enable face id this phone may have been rebooted and that's why it didn't work and he picked up another phone and he does it and it works straight away but it i don't necessarily think this is a fake like any looking at this and seeing that message i don't think that it's fair to say this this like this doesn't work. My my guess is actually similar to what Chris Wells from The Verge guessed, which is my guess is that on this on this uh, pre-release uh, iPhone 10, some process died where it didn't necessarily reboot, but it got to a point where it needed to demand authentication again. Mm. Um, it's either that or Craig picked up the wrong phone, which I doubt, but is not. No entirely impossible but they had the right one on the monitors well, but so he my was guess the is only one demoing right like both of those phones were trained to his face were meant were meant for him so um yeah so that's my guess is that while they were sitting out there it basically got in a state where it reset and needed to authenticate yep. and he, rather than put in the password and explain what was going on he was like okay this isn't working i'm going to move on to the next one i had a similar experience in the demo room where the woman who was demoing face id to me she had a false start and I thought it was funny that the same thing happened with her. And with her, it was she, it happened twice. And once was she accidentally pushed the side button. And so the phone went off. And she was like, oh, 
<laughs> and then the next time she woke it up and was explaining the feature to me again something you wouldn't do in real life but she was explaining the feature to me and by the time she got it held up and her looking at it it went off because it had gone it timed out yeah and put the okay. screen back to sleep so it, it was like and let's try that again and on the third try she did it and it was you know it, it was she was not looking at it and it was locked and then she looked at it and it unlocked and when that happens it's magical i think the challenge here is um we can't necessarily glean from this what a percentage of reliability this is and what i think everybody who looks at this has been saying all along is it needs to be about as reliable as touch id it doesn't necessarily need to be more reliable than touch id but it needs to not be less reliable than touch id it's just going to be in the ballpark i think there's a learning curve here but i think ideally if the phone is um not requiring a passcode and uh you pick it up and with race right raised to wake you pick it up and look at it and it unlocks that needs to work that needs to be bulletproof and we'll see we're just not going to know until we until we try it out keeping in mind that this phone isn't even shipping so uh you know not for a while so we'll see as well as the fact that you can activate multitasking by swiping up you can also swipe left and right on the bottom area where that line is and it goes backwards and forwards between your most recently used applications which i think is really nice i think that's really mm-hmm. cool I'm, i like that um and they demoed new snapchat filters that use the face tracking and they look really detailed so very very cool very cool mm-hmm. okay last few things cameras they got the dual cameras on the back. They seem to be mostly the same as the 8 Plus, but they have dual optical image stabilization. There's a quad LED true tone flash, and the front camera, which is the true depth camera, um, has a portrait mode on the front, so you can take amazing selfies. You've got all the you've got all the uh, sensing equipment for the face detection, which means you've also got all the sensing that's required to do portrait mode mm-hmm. and the and and the light you know, portrait lighting mode because it's it's got to do all the face stuff, you've got to have this really great set of sensors in the front, which means it's a great selfie camera too, kind of as a secondary thing. It's like, oh, and also that means that it can be a great selfie camera. Yeah, I'm wondering what cameras might take the better portrait mode photos. Because the back don't cameras know. don't have all that IR stuff and you know it's No, they they have it, so. to do they have to do a different kind of mm-hmm. uh, thing I think than than what the front does. Yeah, the front's probably got way better data is my guess than the back, but the back is probably good enough for what they're doing. I want to mention too this is one of those features where um Samsung made a big deal with the Note 7, Note 7, Note 8, the one that didn't explode, the new one, the new one. that they've got OIS, optical image stabilization on both their cameras. And they did a they did a whole demo of how a zoomed in iPhone 7 Plus didn't look as good and at the time i was like well i'm gonna guess that apple's gonna do dual optical image stabilization and here it is on the iphone 10 but they've got that and i'll point out that this means that there's an iphone 7 and 8 sized phone with two cameras on the back for the first time yep for people they gave a they gave a sneak peek of something called air power which is like a (laughs) like a big I don't like the name. Like a big map surprise type thing which will charge your watch, iPhone and a upcoming AirPods case. Okay. Yeah, so here's what Apple did. Apple wanted to do uh, their own charging mat and they felt like it was really dumb that it would only charge one of their devices and not more of their devices because of course we all have all of these devices so many of us have all these devices so like okay what could we do to build something that would support that? And so they built they built um 
this air power thing, which is not going to come out until next year. Um, but what they said is that the Qi standard didn't support this. So this is their extension of the Qi standard. They would like in the future for the Qi standard to support this. But this is an Apple only thing for now which is because they want the devices to be able to talk to each other and and give each other their charging status and charge all these devices at the same time and they said that's not possible with what's in the cheese standard today so it's apple watch series 3 only it does not work with previous model obviously they had to change the inductive charging system in the apple watch series 3 to also support this and apparently it did not support this before even though it does have inductive charging all apple watches have inductive charging it's the latest iphones and it's this new case we we were the rumor the leak was that there was a, there were new i new airpods coming because they had a picture of the case and the case looked different it turns out that's the new case that you can buy for your old iP- airpods that is um that is the wireless charging case. And basically it sounds like it's just a slightly redesigned AirPods case that supports this new wireless charging standard that, or, or Apple's extension of it. So in the end, sometime next year, you'll be able to buy a pad from Apple and lay your watch and your phone and your AirPods on it and they'll all charge like magic and, and other devices presumably too. Maybe, uh, maybe your Apple pencil someday, who knows? 64 gigabytes in 256 starting at $999. Um, thanks. Uh, October 27th for pre-order. November 3rd for shipping. Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, this is a shame, right? You know, it, uh, like I said, I, I, it, for people who are desperate for it, yeah, you're going to have to wait. And that's, uh, that's tough. But I think everybody kind of expected that this would be late. I thought early November was good. I was concerned that this was going to be like a December kind of product. So I thought that that was, it's interesting that it was not that far away. I always assumed shipping in October. I thought it would ship in October. Ah, uh, well, no wonder you're so sad. Yeah. And nine ninety nine, which is, I think the, the predicted price, like, and the fact that they raised the price with the eights, um, kind of, kind of, which I was surprised by, but actually closes the gap a little bit between the eights and this model. But nine ninety nine to start for sixty four gigs, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much I think what we all expected. Oh, one other thing I want to mention because this has come up in a few places: the um, the notch in the screen. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that work? Like, apps are going to need to be aware of it. How do you work around it? It's got the status bars in two different places. Control center comes down when you swipe from the right side. I think notification center needs the left side. You may be able to do it from the middle too, but you can do it from the left side at the top. Um, It's going to be different. And and there's, of course, the little black bar at the bottom that represents the home swipe area. So apps are going to potentially have to be modified so that you don't have like key information that appears like blocked by the notch if it tries to spread it out. But I've got the feeling that there's probably an API for this for app developers to use to detect this. Um, I don't know that for sure. What I do know is that uh, when I, I actually tested this with a video on the iPhone 10 and it, when it played, it actually played with the edge of the screen of the video, the edge of the, uh, of the video image up against the notch. I instead figured. of over 
over, right? Yeah. Now, if you double tap, it zooms across, and then you can see with the notch there. Because you could currently do that, right? You can zoom in on videos now if you want to. Right, but it's it's all based on the on the screen, uh, you know, the horizontal and the vertical. But it seems like what they've done here is they've calculated it out. Because the idea is you don't want to watch a movie and have the side of the movie cut off by the notch of the uh, front-facing sensors. And it sounds like, uh, as far as I could tell, because I looked today, uh, it doesn't do that. It doesn't force you to like view everything in the world through this weird notch on the side. You can if you want, but it's not required. But th- this is something that all the developers have between now and November 3rd, I guess, to sort of figure out if their apps um, need to do be updated to support it. But my gut feeling is that the you know, worst case scenario, there's probably a way that Apple makes available, I hope, to app developers to basically say, look, just don't don't draw on that part. Like, pretend that the screen is slightly narrower so that you don't cut off any of my stuff. And that's probably an option. And then other developers will work around it to take advantage of that space. I bet developers are happy about the November 3rd ship date. Yeah, right? If anyone's happy, I bet it's them, right? You get, you get some time to actually... I mean, I know you can't test it. You'll have but, the gold master of iOS 11 and you'll yeah. presumably have this in the simulator and you can test it out in the simulator and you can get an update to your apps if there's something really broken. I think that they'll be very happy to have more time to do that. And you can do provisional provisional support, right? I mean, a lot of people I understand won't want to make big changes before they actually have the device. I totally get that. But I would expect quite a few developers will, will play around and will be willing to push a build from like just tested in the simulator to the app store. I would expect that many people will be willing to do that. So that's the keynote, Jason Snell. There was one piece of breaking news during the show that I just want to touch on before we leave today, which is our old friend iTunes. Mm. Um, There has been an update to iTunes today, iTunes 12.7, which has ripped out the app store. The iOS app store is no longer in iTunes. It's almost the opposite of what we expected um, as of today, uh, there is just going to be music, movies, TV shows, podcasts, and audiobooks in iTunes. Um, iTunes U, Ringtones, and the iOS App Store have been pulled out of the iTunes app. How about that? This isn't what we expected for, I- for iTunes, right? I think the expectation was we're going to get a bunch of uh, of apps. Yes, yeah. it's weird that iTunes. yeah, they're just pulling they're just pulling stuff out of iTunes instead, rather than is, making standalone apps, which is what everybody expected. Instead, yeah, they're doing kind of the same thing, but in the reverse, which is really weird. It looks like even though they're removing sort of like the ringtone section, it sounds like if you attach your device to a Mac with iTunes and it shows up you can still drag custom ringtones into onto that device cuz i actually have custom ringtones i wish that was in ios i wish i could just put a, yeah. an audio file in files and say make this a ringtone but they're not there yet but uh this is better than uh, better than nothing cuz i do use custom tones but i don't like i only attach my iphone to my mac to do or to do stuff like copy ringtones over and things like that so i'm happy to to have them pull this stuff out, but it's a that's an interesting step, and there will probably we'll probably discover other things that nobody's noticed that Apple secretly did today. Um, did we mention on on the show? I'm not sure we did that. Uh, High Sierra has a uh, release date; it's September 25th. So that yeah. was something that they didn't mention in the show, but they they did do it. So so you know, it allows us more time to talk about all these things. 
If you would like to find our show notes for this week's bumper episode, go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 158. I'm sure that Jason will have lots more coverage of everything over the next few weeks, especially over the next week uh, in between now and next week's show over at sixcolors.com. Yep. Um, I'm going to be talking about all of this stuff in many other places, uh, Connected tomorrow being the first place. So you can go subscribe, relay.fm slash connected. So we'll be 24 hours removed and we'll be able to talk about our feelings. Um, I'm really intrigued on Federico's feelings about iOS and some of the changes there, as I know he's hard at work on his iOS 11 review. So now he has a date. So I'm I'm really uh, intrigued to see how he's his mental state will be tomorrow, uh, knowing that he has a firm deadline for his iOS 11 review. Are you writing any reviews? Uh, yeah, I'm writing an iOS 11 review for Macworld that is um, that is very short, and then I will supplement it with lots of other iOS 11-related stuff. And then High Sierra, I assume that I am writing a review of High Sierra, but I actually am... I'm, I'm happy that uh, it's been... It's released a week after iOS 11 because I haven't really started on that. If you'd like to find us uh, online um, and other places, you can do that. You can go to Twitter and find Jason Snell. He is at Snell. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks to the fine folk over at Squarespace, Encapsula, and Sanebox for supporting this week's show. And we'll be back uh, next time. Uh, it's, we're, in, we're in peak season right now. I'm very excited. Um, and uh, we'll be, we're, I'm sure we'll have a little more to see you next week. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Bye, everybody.